Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. So, Nick Damon uh, has rejoined us. Actually, I'm going to do a bit of jiggery pokery, Nick, and I'm going to move you from one side uh, of the commentary box to another, if you uh, if you don't mind. Uh, so bear with me for a second as uh, our coverage continues into the evening here, and what a lovely evening it has been. And what a first couple of hours of the race this has been. First three hours of the race it has been. And I'm not sure how much uh, you were able to see of particularly, Nick, that battle earlier on in uh, the TCR class when we had seven cars battling for the lead. But uh, it was absolutely outstanding. Uh, and uh, did, did you see that earlier on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I watched the first 45 minutes. And I switched my attention uh, to um, my inverted commas teammates for a bit. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that as well. Um, are, you, are you surprised that we are seeing some of these TCR guys do double stints from the start of the race that's going to be getting on for four hours they'll have done certainly well over three no i mean i think in certainly in the light it's it's probably not an issue um but they are the, the cars themselves they seem quite very i've been watching them on the track and they look very very stable i've actually got on board with the couple and again they seem cars which are quite easy to sorry, easy to drive and obviously being front wheel drive it means you have a, a different way of getting in and out of the corners and, and i would think that a good driver and these of course are the best drivers in the tcr are you know able to do four hours three and a half four hours and and you know they have the fitness i mean it's, it's it is a fitness sport people are like, well, sitting down i did two hours 20 minutes at silverstone last weekend in an, in an i race in one of the porsche caymans and i was absolutely sweating like a pig at the end of it i was the concentration the heat that you just drive around i know you're not breathing hard as you would be in a real car but the concentration that was like unbelievable you put in a long stint it's far worse when you're in a team you know, you punt yourself off in a solo race, you really let yourself down. The last thing you do is let your friends exactly down. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, Angry Potter says, that any way to uh, include plans to have mechanical issues at the sim racing? Love the racing, but uh, seldom a car goes full 24 hours without a minor issue. You know what? I'm not sure that's true anymore now, um, as we're just watching the MSI Esports Blue car go through... And was that them putting a lap on the Marla racing car? Uh, that is the car that's dropped down, hasn't it? Oh, no, that was the, yeah, that was the Williams E. Sorry, no, it's blue on the back. I thought that was green. That was the Williams E-Sports car. That was Josh Thompson. Sorry, that's what I get for looking away for a moment. So that was a pass for position. So Mark Perez in the MSI team, offshoot of the real world uh, Euro Formula, former Euro Formula team. Um... Yeah, what was I talking about? Oh, yes. Um, the Is there any plans to include mechanical issues, says the Angry Pothole. GT3, GT4, I mean, when we look at something like Creventic, or indeed even the 24 hours here at the Nürburgring, accident damage will take somebody out. Um, suspension damage, if you clout the kerbs too hard, will take someone out. 
But the finish percentage nowadays in real-world racing, Nick, is extraordinary, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the the as you know, as we were talking you know, about that Le Mans and long-distance races, it used to be you know, getting to finish was the whole point. It was a select, and you, you drove your car at the speed in which you thought was a really particularly quite a good chance for getting to the end, which certainly wasn't 100%. Certainly, for the last what, 15 years, endurance races have been go as fast as you can because the car can handle it. If you don't throw it off. Now, the other thing to remember, John, is that they do actually model engine problems in iRacing. Um, you can buzz engines if you, if you take too many downshifts, and it will, and there is a chance you can actually blow an engine, damage and you go down on power. All those things can happen. They can get fixed at pit stops. But it, about 40, I'm told about 45 to minutes to an hour to fix yeah. an engine, depending yeah. on how bad it is. It does, I mean, I'll give you an example. It won't happen on the Caymans because the Caymans, you cannot downshift. They, got, they, they mimic the real car, and if you, are, right. if you want to downshift when they, it's not possible, you can't do it. Uh, some of the other cars, which are, you know, have less driver aid, yes, you absolutely can. You can buzz the engine, and, and iRacing will take a, a notice of that, and sometimes you'll get that, at that random figure, which will say, you know, you've you know, bent a virtual valve, and you will go down on power, and then you have to make up your mind whether you need to... Uh, kind of bits, and it is possible to grenade an engine. I've seen a couple of pictures of, of, yeah, of yeah, clips of cars that had grenade engines. Very amusingly, you know, throwing genuine, genuine virtual pistons out the side. In obviously, if you're driving a Honda, that's called an alternator failure. Yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> I, I I know I've told you this before, but I'll, I'll, there'll be people who haven't heard this. Way back in my driving days, uh, my first couple of cars were Hillman Avengers, and my 1600 Hillman Avenger had the same kind of alternator problem as Nick's talking about in F1 because it was never an en engine problem uh, for Honda in F1. There was always some ancillary. And so the, the joke became it was an alternator problem. Well, I did have an alternator problem in my Hillman Avenger when I was cresting, trying to crest the rise of the Horton Cut on the A690 outside of Sunderland in my formative years. Uh, the alternator problem was that the, uh, the alternator uh, was, uh, how can I put it, became, became disconnected <laughs> because because the bracket was taken out by the bottom end bearing as it made its bid for freedom through the side of the engine block. That's the kind of alternator problem that Nick was talking about. Uh, more on that in a moment. Let's get back to the racing because there's still plenty of racing going on in the beautiful golden light of what is at nearly uh, 7 o'clock in the evening in Central Europe. And the battles continue in the Porsche class, the tortured flat sixes making wondrous noises as they head through the serpentine end of the Flans Garden and head uh, down that's one of Nick's bogey points on the track I was trying to talk him around the track earlier uh, on today this uh, this Porsche Cup class I was saying just how in some ways how difficult the Porsche Cup class are to drive no real driver aids uh, in the real cars there's no uh, ABS or uh, traction control, although you can dial that in um, with a, a competition upgrade if you're doing endurance racing, and a lot of people do. But these are quirky cars to drive, still have the engine hanging out behind the back wheels and the gearbox, of course, as well. This is the leader class, John. Yes, it is. And as they come through, it's Sasha Berger and Sindri Setsas side by side. My goodness, that's very, very tight indeed. No, it's not, sorry, because that's the Porsche 18 class. It's Johan Haas and Daniel Lefuente 
side by side and Lafuente has already shown his class in being able to pull off manoeuvres in tight areas when he went through from uh, third to second and he's done exactly the same again here that was very impressive driving down towards turn one how noticeable Nick is it for you as the uh, 211 Daniel Fuente confirmed in the lead how close dare you get to a car when you're making a minute? I mean, that's flat out down there, up towards the tear guard. How close dare you get to another competitor? Or does that just come with time and experience? I, there's, there's two, well, obviously, these are two highly skilled drivers. And, and that, obviously, and, and I'm, I'd say there's nothing. I'm absolutely certain that the 911 car uh, driven by Jenny Chio would have actually eased off the back to make sure it, it gets through. The thing you have to remember is, and this is the thing that gets forgotten with the amazing high quality of the graphics and the photorealistic, that these people are sat in different places and they're not actually seeing this in quite real time. Yes, I know. The thing called ping, which is basically a delay, means they are actually seeing this and there's a great reverse pass there. Oh, he's got out wide. That's, that's, that's an instant point straight away and holds the position by doing it, the 2-1-1 car of uh, Daniel Fuente. So they will actually be effectively be looking at things that happened 0 0.1, 0 0.2 of a second ago, which you think how far that is in at 140 miles now. Now, there is an element where the, where the PC will, where the game will guess where the car should be. If the car's not there, you can end up with, with an action you shouldn't expect. But it's that level of skill to actually take into account that delay, which is the same in, in virtually all remote esports, you know, that, that people who can work the delay are the people who win the, win the matches and the races. Um, and that's that's the key point. And it, 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 when you see them sliding in like that, it's really, really <laughs> clever indeed. <laughs> yes, and the back mark as well always helps. That's a 28 car. The, he, that car's been struggling around for a little while. This is remarkable. I mean, and in fact, to, answer, to actually answer your question, how close do you dare go depends entirely on two things. One, your level of skill and two how much you trust the other guy and in some races you don't trust them at all so you try and keep as far away as possible and just let them go at this level they all know each other they all race each other they know that neither of them wants to have an accident chris coughlin has just tweeted in at rsl studio rsl underscore studio d ed 24 rsl just to confirm the porsche 911 cup guys generally accept that it's the hardest car to drive in i racing these lunatics are properly threading the needle in speed well, that's exactly the same as the real world. Any Porsche works driver will tell you, I'll take the GT3 car, the, uh, 9, the 911R, the 911RS, uh, sorry, the 911, yes, the 911R, the 911RS, or the 911RSR above a cup car because they are really edgy all the time. And if you can drive one of these, then you jump into, for example, and I've heard a couple of people say this, you jump into the R... SR, which is the Le Mans car, the GT Le Mans car, even though it's uh, uh, a much quicker car uh, and it's got a lot more aero, so you, you're dealing with faster cornering speeds. So if you can drive a cup car, if you're happy in a cup car, you'll be dead happy in the RSR. Yeah, the, the, the GT3 car, the RSR, which we've seen in the, uh, the IMSA events, that is is actually known to be one of the, if you actually get it sorted, one of the best cars out there. Um, it's not sold, it's still quite tricky, but once they have the, the handling it off pad, yeah, they are very good cars, 911s, yeah. Um, um, that, is, that is every 911 ever <laughs> built. Um, and the key for Porsche down through the years is to be to open that setup window up as wide as they can without compromising 
the uh, performance levels of the cars because you know even particularly in long distance racing you can't have a super edgy car all the time think what Lawrence Vantour and Earl Bamba do in IMSA Lawrence qualifies ev and starts every race so when he's in the car all he's doing is working on the setup for one two or three fast laps for qualifying when Earl gets in the car he's trying to get a car that will double stint its tyres uh, and do two stints for him in the shorter race. Now, obviously, in the longer races, Lawrence gets back in again, but he's working on the longer distance of that car. And the setups are significantly different, and the drivers like them significantly different as well. It's really interesting. And the whole point of a 911 always, and even with the new RSR, remember the RSR, they swapped the gearbox and the, the engine, so the gearbox now is further back and the engine is further into the middle of the car so that the engine's pulled forward a bit it doesn't affect the weight distribution as much but it means that you can have a really nice big diffuser underneath the back where you used to have flat six engine and cylinder heads which means you get better aero without very much drag from the the back of the car this is magnificent stuff by the way smart move by Lafuente there as he came up on the TCR car and exactly what Nick Damon was saying a couple of moments ago as they're climbing the hill from Bergwerk up towards the uh, right-hander at the bottom of the, the run of the carousel wasn't sure that the TCR car had seen him thought I could stick my nose in there but I might end up in the barriers backed off all right what's he lost a couple of tenths maybe half a second he's got a quicker car at the moment than the car ahead that's leading the class and he'll make that back up again. He could have thrown away the, the whole race by sticking it down the inside of that uh, TCR there, Dick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it is, it is you know, endurance in miniature. There is no point being a, you know, one-corner hero if you then find yourself lambasted against a wall because someone hasn't seen you properly or, or, or in many ways perhaps overreacts and jumps into you rather than jumps out of the way. So you have to time the overtaking. Of course, one of the advantages of this particular version of the iRacing. We've only got 55 cars going around rather than the, what, 155 in reality. So the level of lap <gasps> is lower as, as, again, we saw they thread the needle, the two of them there, to get either side of the uh, the red uh, TCR car, the Audi LMS, which is very... I, I'm actually, this is the first time I've seen the model. It's a really, really nice model on that oh, TCR. Yeah. Have um, you not got that yet? No, no. I'm, I'm kind of... I, I've been buying, buying cars specifically for what they need to do. Um, an, an event. So I've got I've got the Cayman, the Cayman GT4, the, or as it's also known as the car that Joe can't quote the word he used hates. Um, but it's uh, hates it, yeah, quite I mean, a lot then. Yeah, I mean I, that would be I, that would be an interesting car around here because it is you can get it pretty safe. But unfortunately, it, the GT4 Cayman uh, is a safe is slow. Um, we, yes. we did this this 12-hour race. Yeah, we did this 12-hour race at Silverton last weekend, and we were safe and slow. Um, and we couldn't work out how the boys, the other, well, the fast guys in my team, couldn't work out how the other drivers were going so quick. But they were obviously far too late on the Monday. They managed to get hold of one of the setups they were using. Yeah, one and a half seconds faster. But my God, did it want to swap ends every potential moment. You know, and is it any good for people who aren't at the, at the top level of iRacing yet? No, you've, you've got, because the really, I think you were talking about Bruce a bit, a bit earlier. The thing to remember about the sim racing, the the key thing is you have a far more limited number of senses with which to control the car because you don't have your internal gyroscope. And the internal gyroscope is the thing that tells you the car is about to oversteer and you can get that correction on in a super fast and it doesn't become a big issue. 
with in sim racing, the indication you have is only with your eyes and a little bit through the force feedback steering wheel. You can, you can feel it slightly. So that is why I, I genuinely think that obviously you're not having the physical stress you are, but you're having so much more mental stress in holding these cars, and especially these cup cars. We know, what should we say, edgy? Yes, yeah. These two look pretty well set up, in fairness. Porsches tend to be pitch, rear engine Porsches tend to be pitch sensitive. So if you, if, you're, if you ever look at a Porsche in racing and anywhere on the circuit, and particularly if it's on a slightly bumpy track and in a straight line, if the front end is popping up and down, porpoising, as they call it, that, that car, they're in trouble with that car. Look at these cars. They are in great shape. They are absolutely tracking true. I do think it's interesting the difference in uh, the difference in how they're tackling the back markers because uh, Daniel Lafuente, I mean, he's already back on the tail end of the leader in the number 911, Gianni uh, Vecchio. Uh, and that car, that orange car, has been taking all kinds of liberties through the traffic. The, the, I suppose as a leader, you probably feel you have to. If you're chasing, and I, I would say, I would uh, get, sorry, it's Jan Half, isn't it, who's uh, leading. Uh, Vecchio is uh, the next car back at about another couple of seconds further back from the next day. Um, if you're Johan Half, you probably feel you've got to take those chances. I, I would suggest that La Fuente believes that he can, if he has to breathe out the throttle as he did heading up the hill last time around, that he can make that back. I'll be very interested to see what it's like through hats and back this time around and what sort of lines he's taking compared to the car that's that's in the lead as they go out onto the first part of the Nordschleife. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting, an interesting thing. What, what are you trying to achieve at this point of the race, three hours, 18 minutes into a 24-hour race with so much more to go? Are you actually looking to lay down a mark or just keep yourself in that contention potentially is the chance to get past make a five second gap it's it's so early in the race still and these guys are what's their what's their lead over the third place man they are 11 and a half seconds 11.1 seconds ahead of them so they've, they've made a break and they are now the leading pair in this class what they need to do they need to push it not really let's just let's just go around together if i get a chance obviously daniel's going to go take it but now I, ha I need to take no risks we're still building a lead over the rest of the field what, what we're doing is eliminating the competition one by one by one by one one thing that uh, right turn lover who is one of our regulars in our real world coverage uh, rtl good to know that you're tuned in here to the uh, d24 uh, digital n24 powered by vco says keep in mind in this race, there is no safety car, which there wouldn't be in the real world either, or very seldom there will be. Here, there's no danger of a red flag. So every no. second lost or gained is a net second lost or gained, irrespective of when in the race it happened, which is actually a very fair point. And in some ways, and I, I know you haven't been a part of our team at the Nürburgring before, but I know that you've also listened and watched our coverage. That that actually is not dissimilar to the real world what you have is slow zones rather than safety cars uh, code 60s code 120s but everybody particularly in the top class i would say particularly the sharp end of the top class in sp9 they drive flat out all the time here don't they yeah i mean uh, it, it, it yeah beyond fog you're not going to have the the race the race 
effectively safety car. As you say, there's an incident, there's a slow zone, and then you just have to hope you don't. It doesn't get removed at the wrong time for your where your competitor is and you're not. But um, yeah, it's 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 it, when you've got a large circuit that is effectively running green the whole time and is going to run green the whole time. It is absolutely about effectively looking at everything you can make during the, the entire period of the race. It's not like you know, a typical American race, or certainly American oval race, where it doesn't really matter as long as you stay on the lead lap until the last half hour. You've got to start eking things out early, and can you put on, you know, two or three minutes? You're not going to get, you're, not, you're very unlikely in the Herbert room to get the luxury of a lap, but, you know, you can get those two or three minutes leads, and there's no reason they'll ever disappear again. Still the closest battle on the track that we're focusing in on, and that is in the 911 Porsche Cup clash down towards the all these different camera positions I was about to say don't know what to put you at now but I'm now not sure about that <laughs> yes yes absolutely right don't second guess yourself high enough go with the first guess good versed in that little cafe at the bottom of there ever over there in that neck of the woods these two then starting to build up to that long climb which is about a quarter of the track once you've gone through this right-hander at Bergwerk. Now heading up the hill. Look how much of this is in uh, in shadow now, Nick. And that's going to yeah. affect the, the temperatures that pop out into a bit of sunshine uh, for a while. You keep your eyes on this because I think Lafuente's got a good run on the leader again. And we've seen he's quite decisive. He likes the fast... They've just got it slightly trimmed out that car because it does like the fast runs, doesn't it? That 211. If he's got any sense, he'll just wait for the uh, you know, the big long straight at the end of the lap because he's, he's certainly, you should say, got that looks to have that extra straight line speed. Obviously, he's, he's, he's gaining a little bit from it. It is always easy to follow than lead. Um, and he can, he can just stay on the tail of the. Uh, Vecchio car, then you should be able to breeze past on the straight. Now, interesting, I was, I was doing some, obviously... No, you did the same week. as me there, it's your half. Is it? The, oh, uh, no, no, it's not, sorry. Yes, it is. Yeah, so, but I would, I would, there's been a lot of testing actually going yeah. on on, uh, on IRS, and, and people have been testing specific two-hour sections of the race, so people, there was a, there's been a test up just for this going into darkness, so it sets the time, I think, from 7 to 9 or 6 to 8, 30, and, and they've gone out and they've just practiced going into darkness, and it's the track's very pretty with the sunshine on it, but the, you know, it does affect the temperature. The temperature is a massive effect on the tyre model. So the cars will behave very differently if you're in you're a light bit of track, a dark bit of track, or if the clouds come over. You get, you know, it does gain quite a lot. And certainly if you've got the start of a run where the tyres are cold, that's what you really have to look out for. So the two Porsches tied together, they come down as never-ending hills. Have you, have you sorted out where you, you are on the track yet? Because, I mean, that is the thing about this circuit. If you've not, it doesn't matter how good you are at iRacing. If you've not raced at this track, it doesn't matter how good a racing drive you are in real life. <laughs> you haven't raced at this track and done, what is it, the same? 40-odd, 50 laps before laps, you really laps, have an idea? I am fine down to the point of the second entry to the um, tourist foreign. Absolutely fine to that point. And then it gets more and more vague. And once we pass the carousel, it's very vague indeed. And, and I've been watching intensely when you've been talking around trying to go, oh, that's that one. Yeah, that's that one. And <laughs> trying to patch up on it. There's too many bits. And I said earlier on in commentary, when you learn this, you tend to break it up into bits and you learn that bit. But of course, you have to do a lap every time to learn that yeah. bit again. The advantage of being on a sim is 
you know, if you start at the start line and you keep falling off just after the Caracciola carousel, you've learned the first bit pretty well because you've yes. done that bit. You can't just drop yourself back onto it. So learning the bit of the carousel, bit of a slide there by the Porsche Cup leader, and that's going to cost him because that was coming through the Gallows Hill bend, and he's lost some momentum. He might pick up a bit of a tour from the TCR car, and he used that for a moment, but they're going to be side by side. Needs to get back in behind and does. Fuente goes back in behind and now sweeps out again. Certainly got the speed, but he's coming round the wrong side of the little kink, the left-handed kink to Bilstein, but that will give him the right-hander in the middle of the first part of Tiergarden. He's got to hold it there. He's got to be brave and hold it there. How? No, he's braked. He had to stick it up the outside there and he could have got through. But again, I think that shows patience, Nick, uh, and a little bit of sensible driving from La Fuente because a lot of people there would have toughed that out and mm. then done a block pass into that middle part of the first uh, right-hander at Tiergarten. He might have a look around the outside yeah, he's not here, given actually. Up yet, has he? He's, he maybe he's done this the, uh, before. What you come around the outside. Line, yeah. it's, it's, it's that same concept they often use at Turnway in Hungary, isn't it? Try and go wide and get the overrun. But of course, it's this sharp left, which isn't normally there for most of the... Uh, Designs Ooh. of the uh, Nibir Grand Prix circuit, and he's gonna get the yep, just a bit enough drive there. So, did he I mean, these guys the inside have... wall there, or was he just running off the curb? I think the it was curb. Head? Don't think it was wall. I think it was curb. I mean, it, it is again. It's possible that the the, the pictures you see are, are not pixel perfect of where he actually was because there'll be an assessment by the by the machine made. But yeah, that's an excellent effect they got on there, isn't it? With the, uh, the, the the exhaust heat. look. Yes. yes. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, look, he's just got 10 more miles now. He's flashing the lights in. That's, that's fine. That's the universal way drivers go 10 miles now faster, isn't he? Just you were saying earlier people. on about the flash being different on yes. the different cars. The yeah. Ferrari, it leaves its driving lights on and the fog lights on and just flashes the main headlight. Whereas the Audi, um, not the Audi, the Porsches, I think, turn the lights off. I, I, I'm pretty sure on the cup cars, the lights actually flash off. Yeah, yes. it's the way it's modelled. And, and there was, uh, uh, interestingly, there was the, there's been a, I've been reading all the forums and iRacing about this, and somebody actually asked if they could actually do a very quick fix to sort that out um, prior to the race. I don't think it's happened, but there was an update uh, on Thursday, so it may have done, uh, just has changed that situation. So obviously, you don't, so rather than going from full beam to nothing, you go from full beam to, to dip beam, effectively. Yes. Because otherwise, you are effectively you're strobing the light in front of you to warn the person you're there, but then you don't see for half of it. And as we'll see, I think we'll, we will get a little bit towards the end of our broadcast um, this evening. It should be in pitch dark, shouldn't it, John? So we will yeah. actually get to see some of that. Yeah, but then we're leaving it to the experts after that. The race bot guy is going to come off when it's dark. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I am so grateful for that. I do love racing in the dark around the Nordschleife and we don't get to see as much as, uh, of it as we are now mm. and a couple of people actually who follow our real world coverage is saying I'm, I'm far more um, involved in this because we're seeing more racing from more parts of the circuit and we do have cameras where cameras can't exist of course uh, mm. whether they are uh, side of the track or whether that fabulous drone cam uh, that uh, follows the cars that clearly couldn't exist in, in real life through Flugplatz now and now climbing the hill up towards Schwedenkreutz and that immensely quick left-hander still in sunshine up there at the moment and we've been watching these two because there's not much else going on in terms of what's happening keep an eye on this because 
I don't want to cut away from this because the, it is the law of sod that the moment we do that, <laughs> something will happen. But while Absolutely. that's happening, let me run down for Nick and for everybody else what's going on in the rest of the field. So, battle for first and second in the Porsche 911 Cup classes. The leader is held up just for a moment by one of the TCR Audis, just as they're coming into Adnar Forst. For a moment there, that looked like a BMW 2 Series, just with those colours on it, but I knew that couldn't be. And that's allowed second-place man Daniel Fuente to close up again. So we'll keep an eye on that. At the front of the field, Team Redline and the Ferrari, Jonas Wallmeyer, uh, managed to steer ahead at the end of the last pit stops uh, when he came round. Alexander Voss followed him, uh, or got out uh, behind him, but didn't change tyres. And the Ferrari is changing tyres every stop. Team BS, with both of their, car their cars, are double-stinting the tyres. So only when the new driver gets in do you get a new set of tyres, and then you do two 14-lap stints. What, what Team Redline have been doing is doing a seven, then a six, then change driver. So seven, change tyres, six, change tyres and drivers, seven, change tyres, six, change tyres and drivers. That's how they've been doing it. And at the moment, they're 11 seconds to the good. I thought that would have gone out a little bit more, and indeed four of those seconds came last time around for Jonas Valmeyer, a courtesy of an 8.04 against an, almost an 8.09 from Alexander Voss. Nils Koch is in third position in the second of the BS competition, BMW. He's six seconds behind his teammate and four seconds ahead of Augustin Canapino, the Argentinian multiple touring car champion in real life for the Marla Racing team in the Audi R8 LMS. That's the 186 car. He's got the better part of half a minute on the blue Ferrari, the MSI uh, eSports car. That's the 75 of Mark Perez. Josh Thompson makes up the top six in the white and faded blue Audi R8 LMS from Williams Esports. Same part of the track that it looked like Lafuente was going to have a go last time, running up the hill towards the bottom of the uh, carousel. Unable to make that pass again, but has clearly got a very good car at VMAX as they're now in the... Uh, right-hander, that long sweeping right-hander, aiming towards the end of the advertising hoarding. As you could drop in here, to your line in, and then patience, patience, patience. Now you can pop out. You want to stay there as much as possible. You pop out the second carousel a little bit earlier. Uh, 9-11 Cup class we're talking about now, and that is very, very close indeed. 7-18, the GT4s. Uh, Matti Sipila for Court Sim Racing. Uh, he leads that in the 304 car, the white and orange car. Andre Rajovic for Team Heusingfeld, 301 in second. That's uh, about a minute that lead now. And then half a minute back to third, Sir Zog Rensport Esports with Sir Stefan Ebert in the triple three in third place. Manuel Hoyer uh, is in positive sim racing, Porsche number 78. Uh, and here's the next one back in the scroll down because I didn't do that earlier the Audi class Max Esterton for Vendeval uh, Sim Racing Blue leads by just four and a half seconds from Diogo Cipinto for Sim RC the 76 uh, yellow car Ethan Griggs Gold is there as well he's another second further back for Evolution Racing Team that's the 26 car and then they've got eight and a half seconds on uh, Stelian 
Shepelevsky in Craig Setup Shop Friends, the 63 car. Johnny Brandon, XVR Sim Racing, is next up six seconds further back, and he's got eight seconds to the car that makes up the top six, which is Robin Haas in Team RSO 597. That's how they stand with three and a half hours, call it 3.35 gone, so still well over uh, 20 hours to go, nearly 20 and a half hours to go. Just starting to see that sun uh, possibly be a bit of a problem in the eyes of the driver. That's one of the things that people new to, uh, particularly iRacing, don't always understand, Nick. Um, you only have one view in iRacing. It's not like on your console games when you can uh, watch the car from a distance. It's all on-board views. It, it, you, you are sitting in the seat in front of the uh, in front of the steering wheel. You can't go higher. You, ca you can't go above the car. You can't sit on the roll bar. You can minutely affect where you are in the car, so you can kind of move forward or back in relation to the wind. Move the seat the up down screen. a bit. Yeah, so you can get yourself comfortable. Um, but yeah, that's that's all you can do. You can only drive from the driver's seat, and uh, certainly someone who tended to drive from a bit higher level, it's a bit of a shock to begin with. But you get used to it very quickly. Um, and certainly, uh, you, you, you find the key skills you have to learn is to actually work with that limited field of view. There's a huge game by the 211, the, the Fuente. Well, interestingly, there's a lot of weaving um, by uh, Vecchio, who I assume was trying to break the toe. I'm, I'm not sure that but was Also, did you hear how much the engine note was going up and down? They are bouncing yeah. around a lot, those cars, aren't they? Immediately onto the defensive by the leader in the 911 as they come onto the start-finish straight and in and out of the sunshine as the shadows are stretching across the track and when it goes to driver's left, tries to go the long way around. I reckon he should try and drive around the outside there. If he really wants to be to go through, just drive around the outside and get the, then get the left-hand side of the track for the left kink. I think if he's not quite as brave or as good on the brakes as the 911, is he? No, three times he's tried that, and three times it hasn't looked like he was going to have any chance whatsoever no. getting past. And the interesting thing is, what that actually does is it slows them both down, which is a counterintuitive to what they want to do, which is put more gap on third place uh, Marcus Yirak of Alpine Eagle Racing, currently 12.6 seconds back. Um, yeah, I mean, he's got more straight lines, but ooh, well, that's a, a little bit of a confusion around one of the... Uh, uh, TCR cars there. I mean, it's, well, he's got away with it, and it wasn't really anyone's particular fault. It's just that case when you come across a car at the wrong point, when the person you're chasing has got past them, that kind of that panic that you're going to lose a huge amount of time uh, behind the back marker. Not happened. Um, and then now nose the tail again. But it's interesting that when you have two evenly matched cars and two evenly matched drivers, it's actually relatively difficult to get past the Nurburgring, oh, yeah. despite the fact you've got to watch it. How long is that? How long is that back straight? Two and a half miles? No. Two uh, miles. You know, I know I should know this. I think I, uh, I'll have a look next time around, but I think it's nearly three kilometres before right, the kick. Two, two, two miles-ish then. Yeah. It's certainly it's certainly over two kilometres. Um, it's. But I don't know whether that's measured to beyond the kink because effectively the kink is flat. Yeah, I know. I, I would I would include the kink in that because you can still it's really up to the, the heavy braking. Um, at uh, Tiergarten is, is yeah. where you, you and that is insanely it. late in anything that you drive when you start off and you're breaking at the bottom of the hill and then you think oh, that's not right and then, I mean <laughs> even when, even when you drive a road car on road tyres on a tourist lap I mean you're not up to the same sort of speeds but if I've been fortunate enough to do um, laps in quite exotic road cars uh, on the full Nordschleife without having to go off where you, you do halfway down the Donegahua and the way that you can attack that because it's uphill and it's very steeply uphill at that point it's it's insane 
Uh, hello to, to uh, Gareth Evans, who's been tuned in for quite a long time. So I've just switched to audio only for a dog walk for an hour. And like many times in the past, I couldn't tell the dis Like many times in the past, he said. I uh, couldn't really tell the difference from reality. So I'm back now. Time for lockdown cocktails. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's and, and, nice. and he's in his shed. And Gareth is a big I've, model maker. All men should be. Yeah, and he's got uh, what looks to be... Well, there's a there's a helicopter there that he's starting, and that, that's not a lightning there, that red thing, is it? No, I need to zoom in on that. Uh, I'll retweet uh, that, and you can uh, have RC a look. I see jet planes, they're fantastic. I see jet planes, yes, please. <laughs> um, anyway, that's a whole other. I'm going to retweet that, Gareth, uh, and see what we can uh, get from the collective. Just done that. Thanks, Gareth. He's uh, done a bit of sim racing his time as well. Uh, first and second in. TCR together. Nailed together as well now, yeah. And fast, is that breaking out? Yeah, and, and here comes that battle for first and second in the 911 Cup class as they weave their way through. And this is danger time for everybody concerned. Everybody got to have their wits about them. And again, La Fuente is far more conservative. But great driving. Oh, oh the TCR leader goes offline and he's hit the wall. And the TCR leader is off in that exchange. He was actually, and do you know how many times does this happen? Max Esterton was trying to be a good driver. He got offline and completely lost the back end. So Esterton lets the leader go through. He knows the second place car's there for the next left-hander. So he stays out wide. And the moment he can't get turned in, he's gone. And that, I mean, Nick, again, make the point to people who don't know, the track is evolving all the way through. So on the racing line, it's rubbering in, but off the racing line, it's getting dirty and there's there's marbles, there's rubber debris. Yeah, and certainly he, was, he wasn't on the correct line. He just And and, it, and you see this accident happen. I mean, it happens to us all, even us, us very basic drivers. Where suddenly you just effectively, you moved out offline, maybe may, may a mistake, maybe to get out of someone's way, and suddenly you do what you think you've done before, but you're doing it a yard or a metre to the to the right, the grip's not there, and you just understeer off the track, and it's, it's, it's a slow-motion death because you know what's going to happen. You're desperately hoping you're not going to... Uh, hit the barriers but he's, he's gone in both sides he's got him flat so he probably got away with suspension damage but he's got bodywork damage we need to see how the sim models that um slowing him down and the fix of that will be several minutes if they decide to fix it no quick not fixes down, here they won't, no, no quick fixes in this event so it will cost him time uh, that means we've got a new tcr leader as well of course as diogo uh, went through well i say that yeah, he's going backwards now, unfortunately. Yes, yeah, um, all right, yeah, okay. So Diogo did go through, and Ethan Gray-Golt has gone through into second as Max Essen in that Vendervald sim racing car is struggling. Again, I'm going to make the point here that whilst we can't always see the extent of the damage on the exterior surfaces of the car, there is no doubt that Max Esterton is feeling that. Also, when you've got his tyres dirty... Uh, on the uh, grass and that would have been pretty horrible and that was one of those things where in real life exactly as sim racing he'd have been far better off sticking to his line and making the faster car with one more corner yeah the other thing also is it's a big shock he's been sitting in that car for a while he's in a beautiful rhythm everything's suddenly he's, got, he's, he's had a genuine bang on the side 
with a wrench the steering wheel off his hand, you'll felt that as an accident, you'll know what's going on, you've got to compose yourself, get your mind back in it. Now, he's managed to hold pretty well to the second place man, so perhaps he has got away with, with minimal damage. He did hit a tire wall rather than a barrier. Um, it'd be interesting to see, at the moment, obviously, he's gaining from the, the toe as well, so possibly he may think, no, this is fine. It'll be very, what you will be doing is be on the straight and be working out what your top speed is, because that's the thing that gets hit. If you get a little knock, a little nudge, will knock off five, six miles an hour from your top speed, which down that back straight, you know, is, is going to destroy you as far as getting anywhere is concerned. So especially on this track, you'll be really looking at seeing what has been the effect of the accident. What is my assessment? Do I stay out and we do it at the next scheduled stop or do we come in and do it out of phase? Every driver's briefing I've ever been at, they tell drivers in the support classes and I've never been in the top class. Best I've been in is GT4, in, where there's been multiple classes, should I say. Um, but quite often, even if there's only been one class, it's not like I've been at the sharp end of the field, to be honest. But uh, multiple class racing, they always tell you it's up to the faster car to get around. Now, I, you've heard me say before, Nick, there is a skill to being passed as much as there is being lapped. And, I, and I've got, and I've, uh, as, as, as to doing the lapping, I've got to say, as the leader of the class, I think you've got to say that was a little bit too generous um, there by um, uh, by Max Esterton. And I, I, so what you've got to do in that point is, instead of being half-hearted and say, shall I leave the door open, shall I not, which actually doesn't help the following driver either, you've got to claim your piece of the track really early and say... You and I both ride motorcycles on the road. What do they tell you when you, you're learning to ride the motorbike? Leave people in no uh, uncertain yeah. terms of where you're going to be on the track. So if you're going into a roundabout, don't let them drive it with the inside. Claim your piece of road. And I think that's what Esteton should have done there. He's got a quick car, though. Certainly yeah, quick in the draft. I, I think he's got away with it. I think it looks like he may well have got away with it because he's not losing in the uh, on the straights. That's where it would most likely happen. And I think he had to recompose himself and think about it. But, you know, he sideswiped the bodywork onto tyres rather than barriers. So perhaps he's been lucky. And it was quite, wasn't the fastest of accidents. It was a total side to side. So it's the, if you're going to get away with something, it'll be that. Yeah, he might be reporting it to his team. It's absolutely terrible. Because don't forget, all these teams have radios. You, have, you, can, you can have a conversation with your team team manager. Um, one of the good things about iRacing is there's no radio dead spots either. So you can talk all around the track and tell them what's going uh, that, on. Do you know what? That is really important here. Yeah. Uh, what car are we? That is the... Uh, Hand machine, isn't it? Yeah, real world sponsor. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is the number 24. Um, so he's been in that... This is his first stint. Uh, Matty Kachur did 10 laps, then 8 laps. Uh, some of the guys did 20 laps in the TCRs, Nick. Yeah. I'll just tell you that now for later. Wow. So it's Ethan Briggault in the 26 car, the Panther car, currently who, who has benefited most from the problem which Max had a couple He's of laps He's on his back. second stint. He did 10 laps. So Cooper Webster started that car um, with, the best, uh, with an average of 8.55, which is not bad at all in a TCR. And Ethan then did an average of 9.06 on his 10 laps. And he's averaging 9.04 so far in the... What are we on at the moment? He's just finished lap 20 in the four laps that he's completed. So he's getting quicker. He's settling into his his work. Yeah, uh, no, by the way, he... if you want to see this strategy software that I'm using, if you go to RadioLamont.com, 
uh, click on the link on the front page that is DN24 and there you'll see there's uh, a link to the produced TVC feed from the guys from Racebot underneath that we've got timing page uh, if you click on the little graph on the top right hand side of the timing page there's all kinds of things that you can lose yourself in uh, in several minutes and I've got one two three four I've got five screens just for timing at the moment it doesn't actually make me any better it just confuses me and whilst we're watching these guys, well, the leader 16. has got into the pits, John. Jonas Weimeyer has entered the pits in right. the, uh, now the, the red line black. And Maximilian Benneke has got in the car. Ah, so Max back into that car. But what, we don't, what we don't know, of course, is because uh, we haven't had team lists there. So the Ferrari already changed driver. So Benneke back in the car. He's got the 10,000 plus I rating. Uh, and looks like the BS car has... Oh, no, that's interesting. Is that one of the BS cars followed him in? Um, no, uh, there's two, no, it's two seven one eights, I think, you're in as well. Ah, OK, fine. So, um, let me see. I need to refresh that just to see how many laps they did. Because they've been doing 7-6. They did 7-6, 7-6. I think that was a seven, wasn't it? Because they came in on 20, and that's yeah. now 27. So they've so done seven. So Jonas Valmeyer did uh, seven and seven. Absolutely right. Um, so, so, all right. So they've changed. That's, that's a slight change. So still don't know why he came in one lap early. But that's very interesting for me. And they are changing. You'll be able to see this, Nick, from the pit stop time as well. But they've been changing tyres on every stop on that. So through has gone uh, BS competition. Alexander Voss, who really wasn't able to close. Now, he's on the end of a run on stint old tyres. So he's got one more lap to do before he comes in. He wasn't able to close, but he didn't lose too much time uh, to Jonas either. He, he dropped back about 15 seconds, I think, the last time that I looked. He's got four seconds on Niels Koch, the... Uh, team car uh, the seven cars Bruno Spengler will get into that at some stage later as well interested to see how the real world drivers do in the dark as well that's the other thing that I'm looking uh, forward to uh, hello to Livingston Zagonda who's tweeted us he says this is just as captivating as in real life I hope this doesn't go away once the real season starts uh, Livingston, anybody else thinking that? This is happening all the time. All that the change is, is there's a few more real-world drivers getting involved because they haven't got anything else to do. And we're hoping that we're shining a little bit of a light for the real-world racing community into the fascinating world Absolutely. of virtual racing. A lot of people sitting at home have signed up for iRacing, bought themselves a rig and decided to have a, have a go themselves. And trust me, if you do that, you will appreciate how good these guys are even more. But no, this won't go away when real-world racing uh, gets behind a green flag again. Let's head back, Nick, to the uh, Porsche class. Still going the 911. for it. Uh, this is not a replay. <laughs> they're, they're just still going for it. Yeah, just, to, just to add about virtual racing, um, the thing to remember is, is that there are many thousands of people now in iRacing, so you will find someone to race against who's your level, and yep. iRacing makes that happen. 
So there are, in, in all their competitions, they have about 25 to 30 competitions running all the time, like every hour, every two hours. Um, and they'll have you know, anything up to 12, 13 splits of those. So you always find someone, of, you, you're not going to be racing at maximum benefit the day, you, the day you start, don't worry about that. You'll find people who have the same level of, let's say, incompetence uh, as well as competence as you go around. But yeah, I mean, it's, I think we'll be discussing a little bit in the, uh, on Mimic Motorsport on Wednesday, but I think that this, the eSports, yes, this professional eSports is going to continue all around. But I think the, the working with professional racing drivers, real life racing drivers, that's what's going to, it's going to fill our off-season, our off-season, which is already limited in the sports car world, but obviously it's very wide in the single-seater world. We'll get filled up with, with, with quality e-races. I think it's great. The other thing as well is, and I've, I've mentioned this in a couple of interviews that um, I've been asked to do recently, is that there are benefits to the real-world racing series, like IMSA, like the Nürburgring. For people watching this now who may not realise that this track is actual. Yes. It's not the fiendish, nightmarish concoction of some game designer. This is real. And, you know, roughly speaking, about once every three to four weeks, if we'd been racing, there'd be a four or six hour race on it. And there is a 24 hour race on it as well. And that's what we're replicating here. And if you think this is hellishly entertaining now, and it is, by the way, and we're still watching the lead, for the Porsche Cup class. Now, let's see if Daniel LaFuente can get the run onto the long straight this time around. He's right up underneath the leader at the moment. Comes out, I think, a little bit early there, but I understand why he's done that. He's going to lose the aerodynamic time. Imagine what this is like with 170 cars. Yes, 170 cars in, what, 20 classes? It's extraordinary. Side by side, heading towards the Bilstein Bridge. Now, LaFuente is a little less brave on the brakes than the 911 alongside it of Gianni Vecchio. He's got to stick it in there. Go on, son. Keep it in. Keep it in. Oh, he just Ooh. he just won't hold on. And being on the correct line, Vecchio means he can just hold on to the throttle, Nick. What? Quarter of a second longer? And it made a huge it's difference. All you need when you've got the correct line going through a massively fast uh, kink there. Now, the other interesting thing, we had a bit of on board. Outside, the, outside. 2-1 uh, cut. Will he get it this time? He's trying it. What's his, is it the fourth time he's tried it. He's, he's, got, it he's got to stick it down the outside. If he keeps doing the same things, the same thing's going to happen. But he's got to be braver. Got to be braver. And he's not. Now, he's got to let the brakes off after the first amount of braking yeah. and slam it and block pass him into the left-hander. And, and, and it's a might. slow speed corner. You can yeah. do that. The yeah, over-under might have worked if you weren't actually on this unique configuration. If they're going back on themselves, you could possibly then get the inside line for the, for the sharper left that normally follows uh, the hairpin. But uh, I, I reckon it, if you break uh, and then um, you break and get yourself slowed down, and then you turn in, roll the brakes off, and accelerate really hard, you're more than alongside him. And then at yeah. that point, you have to. Now, if he, he can go around the outside of you again, but you block past him like you would in motocross, that's what you've got to do. He just doesn't have the confidence to do that. Or oh, risk and reward. It's risk and reward, John. It's not, it's not a 10-lap Porsche you know, Super Cup event in supporting the Grand Prix. It's a 24-hour race. Um, one thing that's quite Thus speaks you, Nick Damon, the man <laughs> who is getting all these results on iRacing at the moment by not falling off. Fair I, I point. Am, I have Fair a point very, I am, have a massive safety rating and a very low I rating. Um, but yeah, I just think if you were on board with the two two one one car uh, for a while there, the RNG Esports with Daniel Lafuente, and you got a fantastic view of how the sun was affecting him. You got you came right into his eyes, his virtual eyes, we realised, and then he, he just turned a corner and he had this lovely kind of 
sweat bit of evening sun. Then you turn around again, it was in shade. So you now already have three types of light on the track. And it's, as the sun will be setting, and it will be setting over the next 35, 40 minutes, it's going to get more and more complicated. And you do and you do get blinded by the sun. It is, it is designed, the lighting effects on the game will, will actually blind you as it would in real life. So the two leaders are now into the pits. The gap had come down uh, between... Alexander Voss and Niels Koch in the 2PS competition BMWs to just about three seconds. They come to the end of the pit lane. Augustin Cam, uh, Canapino, real-world driver as well as experienced sim racer for Marla Racing uh, team as well in the Audi. He's coming from third position. Mark Perez should come in as well in the Miami, sorry, the MSI Esports uh, blue racing car. He's coming in now. Josh Thompson in the Williams Esport Audi should come in from fifth that's the white and then graded blue car Mike Nuremberg's in the Beeler Racing Team Euronics both the BMWs have put their real world uh, drivers in Bruno Spengler has got into the BS competition number seven that car and uh, Philip Eng has got into the 89 uh, the, the BS competition dollar 89 so that's actually the uh, the 89 car and the seven car so we have Philip Eng who's been set in the world of, of, of virtual racing on fire and of course Bruno Spengler who's off That's the back of two IMSA wins but in, in leader Maxim Benneke the man with the 10,000 I rating which is just unbelievable uh, <laughs> and, and, and by the way Sammy Matty Trogan finished driver has got into the Marla racing team car so Sammy Matty who we've seen with Marla in some of the two driver races is backing up Canapino and Arana in the Marla Racing Audi. That's another uh, Williams Esport driver into that. Sammy Matty, uh, me, no mean um, driver or uh, very good driver in the real world, both in uh, touring cars in Scandinavia. He's done rallycross as well. And he should, had we have been racing in the real world now, he should have been at least getting a test for... I've, I've got a feeling it was Falcon Horse, and I still haven't had a chance to find a spare screen to look that up again. But I've got a feeling he was meant to be... Uh, testing a BMW with Valkenhorst here at the Nürburgring where he has never turned a real lap not even on the tourist laps so I've got more oh. laps round here in reality so than he has <laughs> and you have as well with, yes with absolutely one <laughs> yeah you did it in style though mate you did have what good. would we say 550 horsepower of Audi V10 power mm. one day you'll tell, well, tell the end of that story on there anyway so um, what's the end of the story when we took it back to Audi, you blamed me. Um, no, it wasn't. Ah, I didn't take it back. Yeah, good point. I took it back to Audi. <laughs> and I got blamed for something that wasn't Anyway, um, just with a bit of a side note, the, uh, the, I'm saying the Audi R8s are particularly strong in the uh, the virtual VLN. Um, they have picked up, of course, a 30 kilogram penalty for this race, good though point. they are also on a new tyre model as well. There's been a slight subtle change for tyre models oh, really? to the Audi RS3. They, apparently, it was. Um, the R8. Uh, R8, sorry, yes. Yeah. Apparently, it was. Uh, they reckon the degradation was, was, was not in line with real world. So they, they, they have got a different oh. degradation model now. So after the pit stops at the lead, and we'll catch you up with that in a moment, let's go back to the closest battle on the track, which is still the Porsche 911 Cup class, which, by the way, is running just outside the top 10 for positions in 11 and uh, for 12 and 13, excuse me. Uh, and it is still nothing between them. Um, we'll be able to get... <laughs> We'll be able to get Daniel LaFuente on Mastermind with the specialist subject of the back of, <laughs> of a Porsche 911 driven by Gianni Vecchio. This, this is getting close to a 
it's getting close to an hour because um, I took over from Bruce about an hour ago and this has been on the screen virtually the whole time. So they have been nose to tail for an hour and, and it's great fun, but also it's a higher level of concentration because you, you are trying not to run the back of people as well as also looking for a chance to get past. Now, interestingly, the interesting question I have for you, John, do you think that sitting in the slipstream you could save enough fuel to do anything? on I suppose the lap's too big to gain anything. Isn't and it? that's... Gain the lap. But it's always worth saving fuel, Nick. Even when you've got a you know, 25-kilometre lap, a bit more with the longer version here, it's always worth saving fuel when you have got a fuel fill that is the same for everybody else. So even if you save half a lap of fuel, well, it doesn't make any difference to how much time you can go between pit stops, but what it does do is it means you have to put half a lap less of fuel in when you're standing in the pit stop, which is time. And get you past in this situation well, it, because you are, what, I suppose in reality, what was it, what was it time? Is that one second uh, on average between two of them? It, yeah, and it's, I, I think it's 2.95 litres a second the fuel fill. I, I, I may be wrong, actually, I probably could work that out because it's about 28, 25 to 28 seconds for a fuel fill. But, but um, again, I was looking at the uh, the supplementary regs. Coming down to uh, Brunchen and but beyond function, they're uh, into the Flansgard now, aren't they? So they're heading towards the end part of the lap and they'll get the sun in their eyes as they come down over the bridge here and head into the Swallow's Tail. Beautiful sun effect there. Yeah, very nice. A pretty clean windscreen. There is one or two bits of debris on there. Um, it would get very nasty if you picked up a bit of dirt or smudges from cars that were losing oil which does happen in the gallop oh now that's interesting now he's got to get a better run now through oh he changed up there that was interesting for daniel changed up and then put right now leave it in the slipstream don't pull out yet don't pull out yet don't pull out yet stay there no i, I still think he's pulled out too early the other thing is i'd have gone down the other side i'd have put me yeah I'd have, I'd have put the left hand side the car up we've seen the pass on the grass here in real life but they got a bit further this time but he's still not actually ahead this is like this looks like the view of the side drafted olympics isn't it Sa <laughs> side drafted get in close to him and see if you can get a little bit of side draft it might not speed you up but it might slow him down now dare he stay on the throttle no once again the leading car is going through Gianni vecchio now by the way i'm saying this ladies and gentlemen there's not a chance i can do that no, in in uh, the virtual world oh and they both no pit together so now this is wow. going to be very interesting to see then is there going to be any difference in the fuel time now in the real world there is a um a minimum pit stop time to even out the fuel flow between all the pumps in the background you can see the fuel pumps it's one fuel pump per two pits and they are standard absolutely standard um, pistol grip fuel fillers like you get in the petrol station and some of them fuel at slightly different rates so in the real world you would have to have a minimum fuel stop because in the virtual world we can regulate all that it's the fuels all going in at the same time so in terms of fuel fill it should be exact you don't have to change the tires every time you don't have to change the tires every time at the front of the field either that's a change from our dnls coverage so it will be down to how long the fuel is in those cars nick 
Yep, and they both changed drivers. So it's now uh, Alexi Usi Yakala in the 911 and Theobald uh, Kazuyan in the 211. So they can they can uh, start the battle anew. But the question is, obviously, will the 211 have saved enough fuel to just hop past the 911 at the moment? They're still sitting there. We see they all go together, and the answer to that is no. They've gone off in the order in which they came in. I think the 211 actually is a bit slower. I think. Casabon yep. started the race for his car and they've all been solidly doing seven lap stints there in these cup cars and so it's as you were the Porsche in behind there well, is the 17 the, fact the 17 car in third place is caught up 20 seconds with the uh, Gingul racing team with Dimitri Dimatos now they've they have had a much much faster pit stop now I'm not sure what they've done but they gained 20 seconds wow well that's no tyres then isn't it which is would seem interesting, but I suppose it's cooling down. It's cooling down. Although in fairness, they've they've changed, they have changed drivers. So you'd want to give your driver a, a new. Oh dear, have they not pressed the right buttons? Have they not filled, or have they not um, tired? Well, their lane time is 27 seconds less than the the two leaders who were within 0.4 of each other the 9121 so that the 17's done something very different and uh, has made up that time but that is either at the expense of having no fuel in the car which will be a disaster because it won't get round a lap or no tyres which you kind of think is not where you want to go at the moment if you're going to double stint it's not this time of day it's over the night we might get a chance and we did see at the front of the field double stinting didn't actually work for the BS competition guys so the 17 in the gendarme colours <laughs> which I do like there are there are some great liveries I mean, I know be off, our, our friend of the show Andy Blackmore has been doing some, some really good professional liveries but there are some great uh, liveries which people just knock up for themselves by yeah, often often based on you, know, you see the picture of a famous person suddenly on the bonnet of a car because you know you can do it you virtually can. yes uh, hello to uh, Simon Tibbet who's tweeted using the hashtag uh, D24RLM to at uh, RSL underscore studio. Great coverage. Really exciting. This high to Zorg Red Sport. This is great, real competition. I'm glad that's catching on. It's real competition. Say what you want about the virtual world, but first of all, it's millimetre perfect from when it was scanned. The dynamics of the car are so close to real life that it's unbelievable changes that you make are pretty close to real like <coughs> excuse me life as well oh there are one or two vagaries which people have to learn but it yeah, is the, real racing and real competition yeah there is a there is a tire model which yeah there is a universal tire model it's not it, yeah you don't have different tire brands whilst they may have different tire branding on them they are all worked on a universal tire model which as you'd expect from any competition device, yeah, is, is controversial in how it works. Some people hate it, some people love it, but you then work the car out to handle with that tyre model. Snooty um, McFlude, who's got one of, that is one of the best Twitter handles ever, says, I'm really enjoying this. I feel I should find some German house music to play at ridiculous volume later <laughs> so I can't sleep, just to make this feel even more real. Just if you've ever been to the 24, yeah. you'll know exactly what he's talking about. Just set your waste paper basket on fire. That'll be enough for anybody. Yeah, that's a good point. Like that as well. Like that as well. So at the front of the field, uh, Maxi uh, Beneke. Is it Beneke? Beneke? I think it's Beneke, but Beneke. I am okay. not the expert on uh, foreign pronunciations, as we are well aware. Leads by half a minute now 
that Ferrari back half a minute up the road uh, and it is Philip Eng who got in the BS competition 89 the 7 is Bruno Sprengler and the Marla Racing Team Audi has Sammy Matty Trogan on and they're a further 6 and 4.5 and seconds uh, behind the MSI Esports now has Alejandro Sanchez back in the car uh, and the 75 cars another 18 seconds further back 23 seconds back from him Andre Botticher uh, for Williams Esports uh, that's a new driver in that car uh, and then he's only got 6 tenths of a second uh, on the Beeler Racing Team Euronics Ferrari Andre Melchers in the 450 8th position for Marty Pietila for VRS Grande Sim Sport in the BMW He's another 25 seconds further back and he's got, let's call it a minute, to the best of the um, Mercedes-Benz Bas Visa, for Mercedes-Benz Esport, the 23 car. Maxim Brunovic for Sim Racing 247, Ferrari, the number one car, is another 40 seconds further back. Let's run down the rest of the GT3 field there as Nick keeps an eye on what's going on up the hill again. Fuente uh, closes in. That's, it's uh, Casabon now. That's so, yes, of course. Yeah, but it's the, it's the same, same thing. It'd be interesting to see if a different driver has a different level of, um, shall we say, Confidence. daring do, perhaps, yeah. or, um, or throwing caution to the wind. But uh, a good couple of corners, actually, just there for the 911 with the Uzi Jakula, who was pulling away quite Alexi nicely. Uzi Jakula, I think. Oh, Jakula. We're using soft J, are we? Jakula. Okay. I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It, it's, it, it, I think the issue with, with finished names is it can be hard or soft on the J. Yeah, true enough. Uh, 11th is Dylan Shepard for one performance racing BMW. 12th, Kurt Stenberg is the last of the GT3s, the SP9 cars. Uh, and he's still on the lead lap, actually, although seven minutes behind. So he's not that far away from falling off the lead lap. Then it's the Porsche that battle that we've been watching so closely. Porsche 24 driven by Redline, uh, Alexi Uzi-Yahola, uh, ahead of uh, Thibaut Casabon for R8G Esports. I don't need to tell you that there's less than half a second between those two. You can see that if you're watching on the stream. Dimitri Dimatos is in the Grignol Racing Team. That's the French blue uh, police car lookalike as the leaders are battling down towards Brunchen and through it. And behind them, it's Robert Klotz for Alpine Evil Racing. He's another 20 seconds further back. Team Redline Cup. Ah, guess who's in the Redline Cup car, the 69 car with Max Verstappen, who was in that car. It's Ayachan Guven, ah. uh, who is the Porsche young driver, Turkish driver, double Carrera Cup winner. Uh, and he's now in fifth position, 34 seconds away from uh, fourth. Four, oh, hello. And there is Ayachan there. I mean, his IMSA e-racing debut recently and was tremendously impressive, but just didn't quite have the pace at the end because I think his tyres were on the way out. Behind Ayachan is Griffin Gardner, but he's 50 seconds further back for Burst Esport. HM Engineering, Jordan Weeks, 959. Good for a good portion number there. Five seconds further back from that. Brendan Cronin, uh, about 70 seconds, 68 seconds. TQ Engineering, 68. is eighth in the 911 Cup class. Richard Skender, Eclipse Motorsport, ninth. Just four seconds back. 
and then another minute further back, SDL Esports by Logitech, Lauren Benzo. And then we're into the 7-18 class as the drag race down the Dottinger Hall continues. And I'll quickly give you a rundown of that if I get the right mouse. There we are. <laughs> That's all I needed to do. Actually, I'm going to watch this for a moment, Nick, because I'm interested to see what the new driver, what Tibor does. He stayed in behind the leader much, much longer. And I wonder if he's going to sweep past or throw a dummy up the left-hand side. What do you reckon? Sweep round the outside and then he's, stick it up? He's looking to go for it, but it was, it was blocked off by the 911 there. And, and it, yeah, much, much different concept. Didn't come out of the slipstream. Sat in there the whole way within about you know, less than a metre behind the car. Thought about coming out. I'm not sure whether that back marker you can see that, that, that went past the TCR car may have stopped that. But he's certainly not been quite so aggressive. He's happy to sit in the slipstream at the moment, Still. is uh, Theobald. Theobald, Casabon, uh, Casabon. Uh, ah, he's, got, he's got a drive now, he's going to get the inside. Oh, that's lovely. Absolute. Now, he's got, now, watch what the 911 does. If uh, he, he just drifts. Head for the Apex. Head for the Apex. That's what I was talking about. Why Why didn't La Fuente do that? All right, it hasn't. he hasn't managed to hold on, but that's exactly the move I was talking about for, with Daniel La Fuente. He didn't do that. He didn't press it too hard, and I understand why you didn't, but you've... You've got to make the guy on the outside make the decision, haven't you? Yeah, that was a good that was a good move because effectively he set that up two miles earlier. His decision was, I need to be as close as possible as we as we shoot onto the new part of the onto the Grand Prix loop, and I am then going to go up the inside. Now, in fairness to uh, Usi Jakula, uh, uh, yeah, or Jakula, sorry, um, he didn't immediately go to the inside and block that route. So it was kind of like, okay, he gave the the, the inside line to. Uh, and he got through. Now, I'm getting a little bit of extra speed here, and I think we may see the two on one pull away. Well, presumably, he'd been sitting watching his teammate for the last hour while he was waiting <laughs> to, to drive, like you know, like you have and I have, and go, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you are going to get the same result, aren't you? Exactly. And, and That's the way it works. It, it's an interesting... Ta I think he sat down and thought about that for a while. It's worked... And now it's very much down to the finished driver in the 911 car to, to work out if he can hold on to him. And if he can hold on to him, can he get past him again? Yeah. Let's uh, run down the rest of the classes. 718 class. That's the GT4. Matty Sipola for course sim racing leads by a minute and 51 from Stephen Ebart in the triple three. That's the Zorg Rensport car. Some supporters out there. He's got half a minute on Team Heusingfeld. If you're not sure, Heusingfeld make very, very lovely in terms of their look, their feel, their quality and their usability. They make lovely rigs for the Bolt Your Sim stuff onto and, and some of the peripherals as well. Kirsten Kiewit uh, is behind the wheel of the 301. Positive Sim Racing is another five seconds further back and forth. Manuel Hoyer, yes, spoke, spoke like the watch people. Uh, and that is the 78 car. Red Face Racing we saw having a spin earlier on. Frederick Saint-Denis Saint has... Uh, Recovered in that car. He wasn't at the wheel when it spun, but he's up into fifth place now, just eight and a half seconds behind fourth and 21 seconds ahead of Manuel uh, Weibel in the Team RSO 397. Jörg Michel uh, Franck is in the ASD Elite team. That's 306. He's in seventh. Eighth is Filippo uh, Orlandi, DRS Wave Italy 718. And the top nine is made up by Guillermo Chapet in the High Speed Demons. Uh, Nick, you keep an eye on the 7th and 8th place battle, if you don't mind, overall, which is um, 
Actually, just changed, hasn't it? Six and yeah, seven. Yeah, six and seven. Yeah, so yeah. it's uh, Bieler Racing Team Euronics and Andre Melcher has just got past the Williams Esports of Andre Botticher, but uh, Andre's not letting him go now. So having been taken out just at the uh, to overtake him just at the start of the Grand Prix loop, he's going to chase him all the way around the old uh, Nordschleife. Lovely. Uh, and finally, the uh, RS3 LMS class, which is TCR. Uh, Diogo Sapinto, CMRC leads in that very distinctive. Uh, number 76, the yellow and black car, and he's pulled out 6.2 seconds on Ethan Greg Galt, now who's in second place. And 11 seconds further back is Stelian Shepelevsky in the Craig's Setup Shop Friends car, that's the 63. Robin Haase is behind the wheel of the 597 Team RSO. He's 21 seconds further back, and he's got five seconds on full send racing, Cohen Klopman in the 85. XVR Sim Racing, only half a second further back with Johnny Brandon. And they have 40 seconds on Max Esterton in the Vendorval Sim Racing car. Was leading that class, remember, uh, before he went off and hit the wall when being passed by some of the leading SP9 cars. Mm. Uh, eighth is Pure Sim Racing, uh, and that is Daniel Kraft in the 116. Ninth is uh, Kirill Antonov for Lada Sport in that very distinctive sort of um, rhubarb and custard-coloured uh, Audi the number 50, and the top 10 made up by Sven Glatzel for Team Heusingveld, Geo Design, he's four seconds further back. Actually, there's, there's three cars in five seconds there. Uh, let's mention as well Mark El Alguero for Race for Cat Motorsport, who are in 11th position. Behind that, people have had issues and have dropped away. 10th, uh, 43rd position is Porsche, number 10, and that's Jonathan Evart in the OTR eSports car. That car was running up the field earlier on. Casper Henningsen, for Burst Sport, uh, Esport, Ritoro, Rio Toro, uh, but they are now off the lead of their class leaders as well. Meantime, Battle for Third continues, and Nick Damon is watching yeah. it in the beautiful evening light at it the Nordic Light. It is isn't it? Yeah, Sam Atitrogan in the, uh, the Audi uh, R8 was all over the back of Bruno Spengler, who, in fairness, in the, um, sorry, he's in the BS competition car, but he's actually not been going as well as his teammate, Philip Hing. When they left the pits, he was about six seconds behind, and now what, a lap and a half later, he's 11 seconds behind the similar car, the Z4 of Eng. So he's now fallen into the trap of the Marla racing team, so they've obviously got uh, very good virtual pistons in that car. <laughs> very um, good. And the Audi, you know, it's interesting the Z4 is doing so well. It's got a, it's got a, a you know, a, a balance of performance that's helping it out. But the Audi was going into the event what everyone thought would be the, the, the favourite. But certainly seen more speed from the Ferraris than we, we expected. And that little bit of BOP they got at the beginning of the week may well have uh, have actually held them back more than was expected. But, you know, there's a long way to go. And it's said that the Audi's particularly good at night as the temperatures come down, especially that's with their true. new tyre model. So, you know, it is a 24-hour race. We're only talking about the first four hours and 14 so far. And... Gaudi is good round here, and I think they've, they've tried to balance up the other cars to, you know, we've managed to get all four of the cars representing the top ten with the Mercedes as well. And surprising, uh, Spengler's yes, not nice getting, right, yeah. yeah, not getting on as well with the Z4 as he has been with the uh, the M8, which he's been absolutely dominant of in an uh, hour and a half. Into racing, into the, uh, just popping out the ins out into the inside there, looking up the inside. But the problem really is, of course, in the Nurburgring, 160, is it 168 corners? I know it's. Ah, uh, it's not. It's. It's, it's, it's Jackie Stewart, you say. That. Jackie Stewart, you say. It's 168 corners. Okay, he did, didn't used to say it like that. Well, no. I to, he, he, it depends what you call a corner as well, yeah. of course. I, I I would think there's probably, on the Nordschleife, there's probably 70 to 80 corners. If, yeah. As proper corners. 
um, and then you can add the, the, the on top of that. Somebody somebody who's got data, and you could do this thing, you could lift the data and see where the corners are, because you can see where you actually have to put steering input in. I'm just looking at our strategy overview, uh, and if you want to look at it as well, go to radiolamont.com, uh, look on the front page, you'll see the link to our resources, there's live video there, and the timing is underneath, and if you click on the little graph to the top right hand side, just beyond how, uh, just alongside where it says the time remaining, you'll get a whole load of session statistics, strategy overview options there, gap visualisation, etc. Even drive time, etc. And I'm just looking to see what are we looking at now. Uh, and so BS competition then with uh, Bruno Spengler, this is his outlap, Nick. So yep. he is being very careful to make sure he doesn't drop it on cold tyres on his outlap lap. And I presume it's the same. No, the this, this, this is his second lap, John. Is it? This, yeah, it's his second lap. He was in 8.11 on his outlap, so this is his second lap. It might be. His, we'll, we'll no, have no, to go on uh, now. no, no. Can We're only... on 30. Yeah, he changed on 27. He changed at 27 on lap 30. So he's done a couple of laps. Um, yes, you're right. I had forgotten. The, the, the thing I should have said before that is, when, if I say I've got the strategy screen, will you just remind me to update it? <laughs> but what we still oh, have got, what we still have got, interestingly, um, is the Team Redline Blue. And the Team Redline uh, White Car has disappeared altogether, hasn't it? The other well, Ferrari. Has it had an issue? Has it, has it dropped right down? Uh, Team Redline White, where's that gone? Because there's 13 cars. That... Oh, yeah, yes. it's out. Team yeah. Redline White is currently in the grey area. It's joining Glacier Racing. Uh, who have a Porsche 718, G-Drive Racing, Eximo Porsche, who have the Porsche 911 Cup car, SimRC.de Carbon, in the 376 car of a Porsche 718, and then the final two are two more Porsche 911 Cup cars, the 43 Racecraft eSports car and the 312 S2V eSports machine, and he's going to get him up the inside, you, you, uh, on the straight, obviously, outdragged him with the... Uh, the speed of the couldn't do that Audi. with the Ferrari. Couldn't do that with the Ferrari. Now he's alongside. Needs to just lean on him a bit. He's slow on the down. Wrong side and no, he's, he's going to be oh. fine. He's going to be fine here. Yeah, oh, there you Bruno. go. He's just held on to it. Discretion, better part of valor because Bruno could have actually toughed that one. Yeah, I agree. To. I agree. I love. I wish we had that camera angle in real life. The high one above the tear guard. Well, perhaps, so, perhaps the uh, the German um, uh, production company might be looking at some of this and work out. Obviously, you know, they can't do it all around the, uh, the 25 kilometres. It's just not physically possible. But, you, you know, tra shots which are near the Grand Prix circuit must be possible to achieve. And Spengler dropping back now. He was saying he's, he's effectively off end now by 13.1 seconds. And he left the pits about six behind him, so he's, he's just not quite on the pace. But last time round, he did an 8.11, Philip Egg an 8.07, but Team Redline Racing with uh, Maximilian Beneke did an 8.03. So that Ferrari is just easing its way away from the field with Max on board. Um, yes. Sorry, I'm just working out my my. Uh... Oh, your strategy, you? strategy, yeah. Your that's far more important than the, the pit stop strategy. How, <laughs> the, how you combine the cheese, the wine, the biscuits, the cake, I, and everything else. I'm, I'm afraid to say I got the the uh, wine to liquid um, strategy completely wrong. Oh. Uh, sorry, the the uh, cheese to liquid strategy wrong, and I've got three cubes. <sighs> it's, uh, it's it's just that's the worst of the first world three problems. Three cubes of <laughs> three cubes of Emmental left. And uh, I drained the glass. 
So, fortunately, uh, the glass has magically topped itself back up again. So, I'm no. all right. So, we can go again. We can go again. Um, we've still got 19 and a half hours, a little more than that, uh, to go. And I, I, So, that's there's a little question then. Maybe the guys from Race Spot can see uh, when they, they're coming on in uh, a couple of hours, but just under a couple of hours' time, uh, they might be able to update us to find out what happened with the second of the Ferraris. My point I was going to make while I was looking for that was to it's only the Ferrari um, that has done something, that the two Ferraris did something different on those first stints, Nick. They did seven mm. and six on both of their cars, whereas everyone else has done seven, 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 seven. So long as they haven't had a problem. Um, so the, uh, the leading car, the Team Redline Blue car, that means it will stop one lap before the chasing BMW, Audi, BMW, Ferrari. So it's not a yep. Ferrari thing because the MSI eSports car has done 7-7. So it was Sanchez, Sanchez, Perez, Perez, now back to Sanchez, and they've all done 7. Vanekia uh, did 7-6, Valmai did 7-7, seven, seven, and now Maxi's back in again and he got in at the end of lap 27 and he's on 31 so he's got three more to go just sounds like they wanted to get out of phase everyone else they thought we'll just drop uh, a lap get out of phase everyone else have a clear pit lane i think I, it's, it's not I think it helped it helped jonas as you know in in i racing when you actually find your pit stall you, you don't have to worry about the cars ahead of you as you kind of ghost through them you haven't got to make a ridiculously sharp turn to get in there it lets you because obviously the pit stalls are uh, much closer than it would be in, in, in real existence. So you actually just, you can drive through a couple of cars who are in front of your pit stall to get to your stop. But even so, it's easier if it's empty. Um, it, it gives you a clean, unhindered entrance and a clean, unhindered entrance uh, exit as well. It also helped that uh, Jonas Valmeyer, when he came around, um, he wasn't battling right with the cars um, who... Um, so when he first got in the car, he was battling with the cars that he was, that the team was fighting with. Yeah. And also what it meant was that the tyres were up to temp. So if he had had the battle, he had a tyre advantage. Mm. Larder Sport, Rosneft, a racing team with uh, Antonov behind the wheel of the, what I was calling the rhubarb and custard car. <laughs> See that? It's not quite rhubarb, is it? It's more sort of tangerine sort of dark tangerine he's in a bit of a battle uh, at the moment in the tcr class uh, yep. that class is currently led by the is that still diogo behind the window no, of course it's not it's tibor tibor kazarabo uh, for arit esports and they're just battling further down oh, sorry, i'm in the wrong class again i don't <laughs> The leader of TCR is SimRC. You're right, it was uh, yeah. Diogo um, Pinto who's leading that one in the 76. What we're looking at is the battle for 40th overall and uh, I think 8th and 9th in class, which is the 116 of Pure Sims Racing, which has got Daniel Craft in it, and the Lada Sport Rosnet, uh, as you absolutely say, Rubob and Custard Special um, of Kirill Antonov, and that gap is over oh. a second now. So is there just a misfire there? Can be. The, the engines do go wrong. Um, it sounded like it was fluffing when it was getting close to the the rev limit on the 116. 
may have been a slow pit, uh, slow gear uh, change because there's three or four ways you can change gears on these cars. I didn't even know that. You can you can actually use a clutch if you want to. You can use a, um, a situation where you will blip the throttle for the car when you change down, or you have an auto blipper and an auto up. Um, and you can use a sequential shift, or you can use paddles. It's, there's, there's a great number of choices. Um, in how you change gear. Most of these modern cars, they don't penalise you for not using a real clutch because obviously they don't use real clutches once they're rolling anyway, so they, they, they keep that way going forward. There is a choice in the real world, of course. You can have um, a DSG uh, or a non-DSG, a proper sequential box in the Audis. Is it uh, 10 kilograms that costs you? Yeah, and, and, and I, I have heard people say that there's pro and cons for both of it. You can do it on all the VAG TCRs, you've got the, the, the opportunity. The sequential's more expensive. Um, uh, it, it's said to be in some ways longer lasting, but if it breaks, it's more expensive to fix. But it's supposed to be quicker to change than the DSG, which is based on the, the road car. A very clever um, twin clutch, uh, doppel gong clutch something or other. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can never remember what it is. I know what PDK is for I, I quite like, it's the same I idea. I quite like Doppelklung and Squatch. And there's two of them and they're a Sasquatch. So that's excellent news. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think they're, 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 I know we've spoken a lot. We have a lot of TCR work with, with us in the Krebentic series and people like Baz, uh, Baz, Baz Coton has run a number of different cars. Of course, the Volkswagens are no longer being made, are they? They've, been, they've dropped themselves out of TCR racing. And um, Audi as well. They're Audi still well. supporting their there. customers, yeah. So just Cupra. Cupra. The Cupra. Sorry, yes, it's the Cupra brand. The Coopers are making... Of course, they were all made the same line anyway, weren't they? Uh, all the uh, the TCR, they end up with a, a VW bodywork, a Audi bodywork, or a, a Cooper bodywork were all made in Spain. Direct um, shift. It actually is direct shift gearbox. That's, uh, that's commonly abbreviated DSG. Whereas, of course... Um, PDK. That's disappointing because I really hope to be German because they, they put their words together so beautifully. It could be anything. Compound nouns. <laughs> yeah. Love, love compound nouns. Liebling Geschäftigungen. You know what that yes. means? No idea. That is a hobby. It actually means my favourite thing to do. See, how much more descriptive is that? Yes, like you don't, exactly. you, don't even, you don't even need a dictionary. I mean, people obviously don't bother selling dictionaries in, in Germany because you don't need it. It just tells you what it's all about. So who's it? Since the 11 car has split up that battle there, and that 11 car is obviously one of the Porsches. It's actually the, the car that's the last of the running Porsches, that 11 machine. We briefly saw uh, SDL Esports by Logitech G, Logitech G being the manufacturers of reasonably priced steering wheels rather than the amazingly high-functioning Fanatex and similar steering wheels you can get, and that was Laurent Benso in that car. Is it the same in the sim world? Is it in the real world? Is that... That's speed costs how fast can you afford to go it's not quite that way i mean it's interesting if you look at yeah you know, we've seen a number of the professional real world drivers pick up and, and go with it and a lot of them have these amazing twenty-five thousand dollar rigs with three screens and then you, you sit down you'll see you know jack villeneuve on an xbox control on the laptop um there's an element of skill i think absolutely i think there are certain things which will help you go quicker and, and it's and it, not necessarily in in the um, the steering wheel set it's nice to get a bit more feedback it's, it's, it's things like the higher refresh screens and I personally think from, from my experience that a three screen setup would definitely help you if you're in a race situation it won't make you go faster over a qualifying lap it's not important who's left and right of you. it's only important what's in front but in this right. sort of multi-class environment it was absolutely what I felt I was missing whilst being lapped by everybody at Silverstone last <laughs> week was that work because obviously you're desperate I, I don't want to ruin anyone's race I'm just trying to learn 
No. But you don't quite. You've got a spotter. So it has a kind of American spot. Oddly, the default spotter for iRacing is Australian. You can change it, obviously. And they'll say car left, car left. But yeah, you, you don't want to press a button to look. So three screens, I think, will really help. But the steering wheel and everything else, it's it's up to you. Felipe, but you can smell $50,000 easily, John. Filippo Orlandi is pressing on here. And I think he's going to go down nice. the inside. Just come out of uh, Adenauer Forst and heading up to the top of the hill. Has he got it done? Are they going to... Now, these cars, of course, are the GT4 version of the 718. 718's... Uh, of this model year would normally have had a four-cylinder box, but they held on to the uh, four-cylinder engine rather, but they held on to the six-cylinder engine. Uh, since then, they've gone out to a beautiful version, new version, a four-litre with a different block, but a non-turbo version uh, of the four-litre engine, which is very exciting. But these, of course, are PDK, which you'll like this. This do, that does stand for Porsche <laughs> Doppelkaplung. Okay. Gish try, <laughs> which tr translates to Porsche double clutch transmission. Well, the interesting thing is they are also, John. You'll like this. They are they are modelled for the Michelin Pilot Cup in America. They are in, if you get the standard machines, ah. all come with IMSA logo, so they are actually part of the IMSA iRacing partnership. Right, yeah. Um, so you you race in the, the Michelin uh, Porsche. I, I can't remember the other car, and I think it's a Mustang. Um, there's three or four cars in that in that IMSA Pilot Cup, and of course there's also a full IMSA championship as well, which includes. Um, the, the uh, most of the GTD cars you would expect to see, and some of the GTE cars, which we've been enjoying um, at the, at the, every other week, and we enjoy again on Thursday at Mid Ohio, which I can't wait for. I think I'm at Mid Ohio. It's fantastic. And yeah, that's uh, Thursday evening uh, European time. Andrew, Andrew Langham Service says it's the iRacing curse. As soon as they add a new car, either a new version gets announced or the old car gets discontinued. <laughs> talking about the Audi RS3 uh, TCR. Just starting to get into, if not the twilight, the gloaming. Now, I think mm -hmm. we might be beyond that. That battle for uh, eighth and ninth continues. Daniel Grafapos, Pearson Racing, has uh, Kirill Antonov right up his tailpipes at the moment. Nice uh, Audi Sport, uh, sort of Audi Sport logos on the back of that car. They're no, absolutely on the limit. They're right just, on the soft limit, aren't they? It's not getting a toe, is he, really? No. This is, this is, he's deliberately holding back. because it, 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 Actually, yeah, he didn't, get, he didn't get the toe you'd expect to get at all. Now, whether they're actually, which is a possibility, because they won't have a... They, they, the car comes as the car. It doesn't have a Nürburgring gearbox in it. No. So they may be just bouncing off a limiter and be able to go no further. We'd have to go in, in car to, so we could actually look at the rev limiter of, uh, of Kirill. Um, but that was odd that he didn't gain anything. So you kind of think that's as fast as the cars can go. The angry pothole said, uh, had to leave the coverage for a wee bit. Are we going to get an hourly update? I forgot to do hourly updates, actually. We probably should have done that um, at quarter two. The hourly updates um, have been sort of rolling, if you see what I mean. Yes. We've been trying to keep you up to date with the other classes while we watch battles around the field at the moment. Uh, at the front of the field, let me tell you, whilst we continue to watch a, a little bit of a scrap going on in TCR for 8th and 9th, it's now 41 seconds at the front of the field as uh, Maxi Benekic just pulls away from Philippe Eng, who's now got Sammy Matty Trogan. Last time around, closed down to under nine seconds, courtesy of the fastest lap of the race uh, for that car, the 186. 805, 125 for Sammy Matty. Then Bruno Spengler, 808 last time around. He's now six seconds behind in fourth. 
in the second of the BS competition BMWs. Alejandro Sanchez in the MSI Ferrari, the 75, the nice blue car. Uh, 11 seconds further back, as I say, he's got, let's call it half a minute, shall we? Uh, on And Andre Melchers for Bieler Racing Team Neuronics. Seven seconds, call it eight, ahead of Williams Esports in the, the Audi with Andre Botecha. Marty Piatella for VRS Coanda Simsport BMW, half a second further back in eighth. Ninth pass, Visser for the first of the AMG GT3s, that's the MBE Sport Racing Team. And then Maxing Bunovic in the Sim Racing 247 Ferrari, it's another 30 seconds further back. Uh, Tibor Kazabon, RHE Esports, by four and a half seconds to Alexiusi Yakola in the red line Porsche. 2.11 from 9.11, they've been having a cracking scrap. Now nine seconds further back, the French blue gendarme liveried Guignol racing Porsche of Dimitri Tomatos. This is all in the 9.11 Cup class. Robert Klotz for Alpine Racing, Alpine Eagle Racing, 3.27, 23 seconds further back. He's got about the same gap, a little more, on the team. Red line Cup of uh, Ayachan Guven, who was four seconds quicker than the car ahead of him last time around uh, and is just eight tenths away from that car's fastest lap. Ayachan is a pretty decent sim racer as well as a two shy of, he's just shy of 8,000 yeah. on iRacing yeah. and he was very quick um, in the Porsche GT um, at Laguna Seca last week. Yeah, I was impressed with him uh, in that. Uh, uh, Samuel Lieber leads the 718 class for core from Team Heusingfeld uh, by about 90 seconds. Zorg Rensport, eSports next up from Yannick Danish. And that's because there's a few people pitting at the moment as well in the 17-18 class. Uh, the 4th, 5th, 6th and 7th have all come in to the pit lane. And that includes Jorg, uh, Michael Frank uh, and Filippo Orlando. Uh, who were having that battle earlier on in the Audi class. Diogo still leads, that's Diogo Pinto for SimRC. 22 seconds from Stelian Cepelevski for Craig's setup shop. Then Robin Haaser, and there's about 40 seconds between those three with uh, now still 19 and a half hours to go. And I'll say to you, Nick, uh, what I'm seeing here, I'm, I'm really liking because this is settling into a nice rhythm. Yeah. And if I look at the refreshed uh, <laughs> strategy screen, I'm, I'm seeing these little building blocks. It's a bit like building Tetris, but uh, lengthways, longitudinally, rather than dropping down. And I'm seeing people now getting into a rhythm and finding their gaps. Um, Maxi, who's leading... That's Should last be in this lap. 27.30, end of this lap. Yeah, be agreed. In, yeah. Um, that would be another seven-lap stint. Let's see if they do seven or six. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, they are. There is now that kind of feeling you often get in in, in the longer endurance races. And by that, I mean you, you know beyond the four, four, beyond the six-hour races. Four to six, do, yeah, anything beyond yeah, four to six. You, yeah. you get that kind of settling point where people are now just doing their job. They are turning laps. They are keeping the car on the island. They're being straight. They're trying to hit a time. They're kind of conserving everything because what they know that's coming up is the night, and the night well, you know, is going to separate the men, that, from the men from the boys and the women. You say that. Tibor Kazabon's just put that car's fastest lap in the race in 8.19 in a, in a 9.11 Cup car. 
Well, yeah, I think you're going to see fast laps now because you're getting into the into one of the happy hours as well. And the track's coming. The track still has some, some temperature, uh, but it's not got that. It's consistent now because you've not got sun in it on some parts and you haven't got uh, shade on others. Um, also, some of these guys have got their eye right in, and of course, if you get a decent a decent run on the lap, either a clear lap or you get a toe at the right point, you can easily find half a second here or there just with that point. See, at the moment, the leader of the whole race is stuck behind the leader of um, the, the second class. He's about to lap the, the leader of the Porsche Cup class. Um, See so what I mean by the lights on up. the Ferrari, by yeah. the way? So, I'm sure, obviously, they've been modelled correctly. I don't, I don't remember the GT3 lights looking like that, but, you know, hey-ho. <laughs> so, so you've got the normal headlights on the Ferrari in the normal place. But I've noticed this on a couple of... It's not. I, I, I can't honestly say if it's all Ferraris because there's not that many Ferraris in IMSA, so we don't see them very often. But there's then a, a bottom set of what I would call fog lights right down in the valance. But either side of the intake at the front uh, is another set of driving lights. And that's as many lights as I've seen on the front of any of the GT3 cars and I just wonder if that's going to give them a slight vision vision advantage when we get into the darkness it, I would think it would do I think uh, yeah the more lights the better especially if you, as, when you flash some of them four, if you flash two of them four of them will stay on correct so, and that's uh, the thing I noticed earlier on even in the daylight um, unfortunately we haven't got our um, track temp data that we normally have but I'd just be interested to see how much the track temperature is falling and it's been overcast for quite a while on parts of the track and I think that's had a, 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 a bearing on things as well. Um, I know the guys in the truck are listening, our Respot colleagues. I wonder if we can do an onboard with Maxi and maybe do a full lap as we're uh, following him around. I don't think he's got a full lap to go, has he? I think he's, he's in the end of this lap. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good call. Um, just... But yeah, I mean, it'd be, it'd be great to see what's going on, certainly before we lose the light and it gets... Oh, that's a lovely shot. That's beautiful. That's that's that's, that's rendering its best, that shot, isn't it? Um, <laughs> that's really working for everybody listening on radio right now, Nick. Well, I'm, I'm just... I've, imagine a beautiful sunset over the back of the uh, the Nordschleife uh, coming down the Adenau Forest. It's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much. Very well done. What I notice about the good guys and... Uh, Maxi is undoubtedly one of the best. We'll have to look at his eye rating for that. Is the car, there's no excessive movement. There's And, and when you do see somebody behind the wheel, the, the hand movements on the steering wheel mimic how much the hands are moving. And it's little to nothing. And if you watch somebody like a Guy Smith in the GT3 Bentley, one of the things you notice is the paucity of, of movement and the very best people are just feeling what is going on through the front wheels and even though he's now climbing up through one of the fastest climbing parts of the circuit there's barely a quarter turn of lock going on either either way and the whole thing just looks very simple almost looks slowed down Nick as he turns it the yeah. left-hander at the base of the run up to the carousel. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? I think I've just seen where I'm going wrong. Um, Moving the I'm steering wheel too much. He's in the carousel now. Right, so that, elbows, I'm doing it. right, so that was the carousel. Just a little bit of wheel spin coming out of that. So now heading up the hill, and next 
it's going to be a fourth gear right uh, left-hander and then another left-hander and then over the top of the brow just straighten it up to the to the right-hand side down through the box and even though I can't see the outside of the car I know exactly where he is on the track but not because he's getting thrown around at all he's just I mean it's just an extraordinary thing to watch just how smooth and flowing the back part of the Nürburgring Nordschleife is when you know what's coming. Yes, that is a key point. When you don't know what's coming, it's, just an, it's a never-ending panic uh, as you attempt not to to prime the vehicle. But obviously, Max has done many, many laps around his. He's done a pretty number of laps today. So, uh, so do we know? We haven't got the the teams, have we? We don't know all the teams in there because you can do the event with two between two and 16 races. John is the official entry. Um, I think this car's only had two guys in it so far, isn't it? Now, whether they're going to throw a third person in later, I don't know. Uh, Maxi and Jonas, yeah, absolutely. So they could write with two, which is a pretty hefty um, undertaking because they are you know, only doing less than two-hour stints, so you, you don't really have a chance for a kit. You'd be up the whole time uh, is as they run two hours on, two hours off over the night. But, uh, yeah, I suppose it's hard to find someone who can keep up with you, really, if you've got a 10,000 rating. But, it's not, but there's not many people you... who can. But do you have a nighttime expert? Do you get somebody in to come and do, you know, a triple stint during the night, for example? Yeah, and then everybody I... gets a, a little bit more time off. Well, absolutely. And I think also... And yeah. do you save them for the night? Well, the other thing to remember, John, is there are, being a Saturday, a great number of other eSports events going on today. Good point. And we, That's a very good uh, point. And Joe's team, who, who are running in a different split entirely, so you won't see them, have signed up Adam Christodoulou, who is busy doing something else until about half an hour ago and is now free to race for their team. So I think there may be many other uh, racing drivers who are currently doing something else, be it a full sim effect or a celebrity race, uh, which most of which are ending sort of now in the next hour. So who they will then become available to run nice stints. I like the idea of that. Eden Brown has tweeted at RSL underscore studio using the hashtag D24RSL. Loving the coverage from Racebot TV and RSL Studio, it's great, looking forward to watching late into the night. Well, the good news is you get the real experts later yes. on when the race book guys come in. Now we're expecting the leader in, and he follows yeah, the plan. That was seven laps, so only the second lap by Max was a six-lap stint. No calling in for any penalties, so he's heading to his pit, which is down at the end of pit lane. Uh, and, uh, go sorry, ahead, Nick. I'll just go back to what we said earlier. We noticed on that on that uh, relatively unpainted uh, Cayman that had Mission and Pilot Challenge across yes. the, uh, the window strip. Just just out of interest where they come fuel. from. Fuel, and 10 seconds of fuel. It's about 26, 27 seconds just to drive through the pit lane. Hmm. Um, it should be around, depending on how much fuel you're putting in, and of course you're going to fill it all the way to the top, but it depends how much you've used in your seven laps, and it won't always be exactly the same. Uh, it should be somewhere near 30, 31 seconds, and that's what he's up to now, still going in. Okay. Just of interest, we're watching the numbers. Philip Eng in his last stop is currently running second. As you know, he's just taken the lead on this stagger, 132.8. No tyres total pit stop no tyres that time for the Ferrari that's wow. the first time they've not taken tyres uh, in this race they have taken tyres at every stop and they did not take tyres make a note of that then as the temperatures are falling and we were just wondering out loud about this weren't we a few minutes ago as he's back out there now that is a major development 
for the Ferrari team. And it's team red line black. Lap, well, yes, his, his temperature in his tyres should remain a little bit hotter than putting brand new ones on. So through uh, went Eng, Sammy Matty Trogan uh, into first and second. So the BMW BS and the Marla Racing Audi both went through. Uh, so that's very interesting. Well, that's Spengler in his rear view camera. But if he gets up, to, he, should, he won't have this issue getting up to temperature. So he'll be able to pull away from, uh, from Bruno quite easily and hold this third place for the next, uh, what, 24 kilometres, I suppose, they've got left, 23 kilometres they've got left before everyone else peels into the pits next time around. Correct. Uh, yes, I agree. So Eng, Trogan, Spengler, Sanchez, Melchers all stopped on the same lap, which was one after what was the leader. Now, is this going to put them off their strategy? Are they now going to think, I, we've got double thin tyres as well or are they going to stick to what they well, were going to do before well, or is it just perceived wisdom once you know the, the sun is set you can double stint well BS have been double stinting anyway Nick and I don't think it's worked for them I do think they've lost lost time certainly in the heat of the day at the start of the race um, it, it didn't work out for them they didn't lose as much time uh, on the second stint of Alexander Voss uh, when he was in the car Lauren Heinrich, it didn't work for, for them there at that point, and it certainly didn't happen for the seven car. So this is the end of the first stint for Philip Eng that he's on at the moment. So he'll pit at the end of the lap, and what we need to know is whether they... I, I think at this stage, if, if he's done it... Yeah, I, I would assume if they double-stinted before, they'll definitely double-stint yeah. now, because it must be must be falling into that way. It's probably now... Look, look at how dark irritating. the clouds are. It must be massively irritating to them. The leader hasn't double stitched. Is that advantage just gone? Um, obviously, he feels he just doesn't like to be out, out there next to a Porsche. And I don't think he wants to be there either as he goes past the. Uh, but did you see, even when he was doing that, did you see how, how cool his hands were on the wheel? He knows that Spengler is in the rear camera, and that was a good spot by you there, Nick, in the BS competition, the seven car. And so now he's coming down. And this is that horrible part of the day. You don't really want to be getting into the car right now you either want to be staying in the car through this into the darkness or not getting into the car until it's dark you get in now and it's neither dark nor light it's really difficult to see the rises and the falls and the curbs and it, it, they're just the the contrast in real life i'm talking about here and it's exactly the same mm -hmm. in what we're seeing from um maxi uh, benekit as well from his onboard it's so difficult so you want to go through the darkness lovely pass on the yeah. 911 as he comes to the top of Callanhard but we're in that time right now Nick my point is where the headlights aren't making any difference whatsoever they're not they're not <laughs> you know they're not lighting anything up so it's really tough on your on your eyes and on your concentration and I'll tell you now around the Nürburgring there's not that much in terms of reflective material. So not like Le Mans, where all of the countdown markers uh, and all of the side markers uh, and, and the lines on the side of the road are all reflective. It's not here, it's not at Silverstone when we do 24 hour racing there, it's not at Coulter because Formula One cars don't race at night. So they don't need to do that. And it's extraordinarily dark here. So that transition time between now and full dark, I think it's the hardest time to drive. Even yeah, harder I, than when it's getting light. 
I think so. It, it, but obviously, I suppose it's best to actually have that to have the same guy in as it get as it goes down rather Correct. than to, to, to send. I mean, now interesting. I, I noticed the top left corner. It's, it's saying that Team Redline Black seventy one is just two drivers. Um, right. So they haven't got a, a, a wingman coming in to help them through the night. So they are going to be doing a huge amount of work um, in between uh, short breaks. But uh, they obviously have done this before and worked out they can happily run that through the night with no lost performance. And I hope they're correct. But it is interesting. This, this on board, as you say, it is the, the paucity of movement, the, the complete smoothness of just getting everything round, getting the car leaning into the right part of the track at all points, and therefore losing, using as least amount of steering angle, which obviously has a major advantage in keeping speed up. You're not scrubbing speed off, especially in these very steep uphill sections. Um, and it's, you know, unsurprisingly, Max is giving us a bit of a, uh, Max Benneke, not the other Max, is giving us a bit of a masterclass. It's just glorious to watch. And look at the the revs as well. He's always in the right rev band. Second out of the main carousel. Third, fourth, coming up to the left hand. He leaves it in fourth. Just feathers the throttle onto the limiter. Up into fifth. Straight to the car out. Aim for the sky. And then you stay on the left hand side of the road. Down to third gear for the next right hand to stay off the curb on the apex there. Third, fourth, hold it in fourth, lift, leave it in fourth, all in fourth this bit. Now you can accelerate, back off again down to third because you come to the top of the run into Brunchen and you can't afford to run, run wide at this left-hander. Diving down the hill, hold it in third, oh, goes down to second, that's interesting. Ah, that's right between second and third on that car there, wasn't it, as he went through Brunchen up towards what's called the ice curve always stays wet under the trees there right port to the sky again you can use the block paving on the left hand side stay on the right side rather stay at the left hand side of the road over the jump down into fourth gear for the right hander second apex is the one you've got to hit now you're building up speed as you're coming towards Flansgarten, the early part of Flansgarten. he's got traffic in front of him it's one of the tcr cars that's going to hold him up he's left it in fourth so he can dart past now he goes to fifth that's really slowed him down there. Nasty camber in the centre of the road there as well. You've got to be so careful. Down into fourth, breaking, gently breaking through the apex, then down to third for the left-hander before the Kleiner carousel. Use the block paving just a little bit. You don't have to stay in the Kleiner carousel quite as long as the main carousel. You can pop out there. Very important set of corners coming up. Three apices, missed the middle one completely. Now look for the curb on the inside. That's where you need to be clipping. And he's spot on there, eased it in. Very gentle uh, angle of attack into that corner so you don't scrub off enough uh, as much speed. Up into sixth, get your Kindle out. <laughs> By the way, Jonas Valmeyer, um has got some decent world championship iRacing and he's raced in the Audi Sport Safarth uh, LMSE Cup uh, as well. Placed third in the championship in 2019, the German. Racing for Team Redline. Born in 2000. Oh. 9th of September 2000. That's, that's nice for him. Uh, by the way, that little hold-up by the, in, by the TCR cost 0.4 of a second. I was looking at the gap between him and Spengler, and it went down by 0.4 because it got held up by the TCR car nice. for that very short amount of time. Excellent. So he, he's going to go past, and we should have in the pits now, and we do. 
have our leaders, or who are no longer the leaders, because he's now just switched past them, which is BS Competition uh, 89 with Philip Eng, Marla Racing Team, the Audi, with Sammy Matty Trogan, and we are expecting right. none of them to take tyres, I believe, John. Well, I don't expect the BS cars. Spengler's in as well. Alejandro Sandra says is in the Ferrari, in the blue Ferrari as well. Uh, so, fuel going in at the moment. You can't fuel and tyre at the same time, which, as anybody knows from me, I think is absolutely the right so the thing to watch now is if any of them go up on the jacks and take a new set of tires it should be the blue striped bmw that goes up first and rolls first still being fueled still being fueled no tires no tires for bs and he's out and running staying to the right of the blend line so no tyres no either. either for the Marla Audi and Sammy Matty. So, th so that's what we expected them to do because the BS, the BS racing car, oh, race for the pit lane speed limit line for the Ferrari uh, MSI car and the second of the BMWs, that's the number seven of Bruno Spengler. So they were pretty tight when they came out the pit lane and Andre... Uh, Andre Melchers in the Beeler Racing Team Euronics Ferrari as well should be coming out shortly. That was just Spengler spent about a second longer in the pits than anyone else, and the MSI eSports was about 0.4 of a second quicker, so it was about a 1.4 second gain just in the, the fuel stop and pitting situation, which is a bit weird because it's totally automatic. So unless Spengler wasn't on the pit limiter coming in or out, or that's a much thirstier car, but more importantly, thirstier than his teammate, Philip Eng. It's a bit odd that he lost that second and a half. Another fastest lap at the front of the Porsche 911 field for Thibaut Casobon for RHG, and he stretched his lead to nine seconds now. Uh, also, Griffin Gardner's just put the fastest lap for that car in for Burst Esport Hungary. Uh, it's an 8.19 for Thibaut and 8.21 for Griffin as the leading cars at the sharp end of the field and in SP9, which is GT3, of course, he are back out on the track. And Maxi, he's got something close to 50 seconds now. Max yeah. Benneke. So I think he's picked about six up through the pit stop cycle. Um, most, I think, out there. He picked up 1.8 in the actual pit stop itself, and obviously a few more on the track. So he's now just, again, easing out slowly, Max Maxi Benneke. So... If those two are doing it on their own, that is going to be pretty grueling. I wonder if they'll go... The problem is, if you go down to a single stint, it doesn't help you because you're not getting any rest, are you? No, I assume they're going to carry on doing these... What, two hours, two about, hours, two hours. Just about two hours, two hours, two hours, yeah. I think so. It's not quite two hours, though, is it? It's, it's, um, it's, it's a theory which makes no difference. Well, we've been running five hours, and this is their third stop, so it's not. It's about 1.40. No. Seven, seven, they're, they're running at, roughly speaking, eight, just over eight, if you call That's, it eight minutes. Yeah, so it's 56 So seven, minutes. eight to 56, plus the yeah. bits and pieces, so you, it is yeah, pretty it's much One fifty, or hour. hour 50, hour 50 for two, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So in between, what's it? Yeah, so hour 50 is not quite two hours, but yeah, so certainly not really any time to get any particular shut-eye. Especially as, as, as one of the things you need to do um, with iRacing, and it's quite an important point, is always have the next driver waiting to go in case the, the guy currently in the car experiences a technical issue with their rig. Ah, good point. 
Um, so something you don't have to worry about in the uh, in the real world. No, uh, let's it, let's it, check some racing out, Nick. Uh, we've got eighth, ninth, and tenth together for TCR, uh, and they are. When I say together, I mean absolutely uh, together, as they are running with Sven Glatzel for Team Heusingveld, then the Larder Sport team uh, in there as well. Larder Sport with the rhubarb and custard car, as we've it's talked about the yeah, first. Kirill Antonov, Sven Glitzel, and ahead of them is XVR Sim Racing, number five car, with uh, Nicole Foggy. Foggy, perhaps it might well be, I would think, probably it's soft Gs there. Who did, from memory, did a double at the start of the race uh, okay. in, in that car. Was that car, Nick? Remind me. Number five. Number five. Sim. Number five. Five. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to quickly refresh my um, strategy. Uh, so yeah, so it's um, it's uh, they've come together. So, so who was Cyril? Who was Kiddo, Sorry, fighting earlier. Is this something else different, wasn't it? It was. Um, yeah. Carl's, that was Team RSA, wasn't it? Before? So yeah. so um, Nicole has done did 20 laps at the start of the race. And then handed over to Johnny Brandon, who did nine laps, and now is back in the car again. So 20 laps at what nine, nine minutes. minutes? Three hours. Whew. Three hours. Three hours and change. That that is you know Ironman stints there, aren't they? Yeah, because it's, it's the thing about the Nürburgring is you do get what a 15-second rest whilst you're going down the main straight in. Uh, a nine-minute lap, and the rest of the time it's ultimate concentration because you just haven't got any runoff to play with. And this is why, my, my, when you talk about instant points, you're going off track. I just don't think there'd be people will rack up many instant points because if you have much more than the merest tickle of an off-track, you're going to be against the barriers halfway round. This is an unbelievably unforgiving circuit um, everywhere, apart from about the, apart from of course from the Grand Prix loop, which has Grade One runoffs everywhere. Great. Take, I'm looking at average lap times as well. The average lap times are extraordinary for these guys. They are so consistent. That's the thing. And again, Super, I'll, I'll, see, see the toe there? Massive yeah, massive toe, toe. Which is odd because there wasn't a big toe when we watched this with Kirill earlier, which makes me think Kirill's carrying some damage that's taken all this top speed away because it was absolutely amazing toe then uh, for the 777 team, Sven Glatzel. So, wondering whether actually Kirill's carrying a little bit of damage has taken three or four miles per hour off his speed, hence because he wasn't able to. The, the, the shortening of distance of the first two, was, of the, the first two in this frame, was what you would expect normally from a toe. So he wasn't bouncing off the rev limiter. It's more likely he's got a little bit of a, a damage, which is taking a few miles now off his top speed, John. At RSL underscore studio, hashtag D, N24, RSL. The headlights on the TCR cars now just beginning to start to show up on the tarmac as at quarter to nine in the evening, 20.46 in CET at the Nürburgring Nordschleife and the quite thick cloud around the Eiffel Mountains is really drawing the evening in much quicker than I anticipated at that time of the year. This time of the year. Kirill just not able to get on terms there in that Audi. Kirill Antonov for Ladersport yeah. Rosneft. 
the thing to remember, of course, is this is the top split of the race. So these 10 guys, or sorry, 13 guys in TCR are the best 13 TCR teams of at least, you know, there's probably at least 100 TCR teams entered. So whilst they may be towards the back of the top split, these are still very, very competent iRacers. So when you see think cars not behaving as you'd expect, it's very likely they picked a little bit of a tweak of damage. And, that, and you would hope they would think about, is it worth replacing that? And just getting those few miles of top speed back again. Uh, Matthew Hindman just had a barbecue about to put the burner on the garden, just like being at the Nürburgring, except for the lack of bratwurst. Hindoff and Damon on commentary on this race. And Bruce earlier, loving it. Well, don't forget, you've got the race spot guys to come. Make sure you give them some love as well. They are going to have the business end of this race. What happens in the night at the Nürburgring Nordschleife will often decide the race. I was saying to Bruce earlier on, by the way, we've got the uh, top three in the Porsche 911 class into the pit lane, and that is spot on time by me. Uh, they're doing seven lap stints from memory. Complete and changes. Yeah, yeah change, change of driver for the 911, um, who was the second place. Alexander Thebe's taken over, but uh, Theobald Kazubon has stayed in the 211, which took that lead and eked out about 11 seconds, in fact, with the previous uh, driver in it. With the him driving, he got past the Finn. So he's taken, I think they're back out and running again. He, he's left the pits with an eight second lead and no one took tyres looking at the pit times, which would probably, in that moment, I think yeah, they've, they've left the pits now, so no one took tyres in the, in the Porsche class either, so obviously people are thinking, hey, this is lovely now, temperature come off, track's gripping up, we can double sit the tyres. Now, the responsible adult uh, has just told me that uh, on one of the YouTube chats, a couple of people have mentioned there will be a third driver for the leading car, we okay. haven't we haven't had that uh, to us yet and neither have our colleagues at race spot because if they had they'd have put it on the graphics for us so at the moment uh, we can only work with the information that we're given the entry list has been a bit flexible as they tend to be uh, whilst we're waiting for people to drop into the cars we didn't have a a full entry list of all the drivers in all cars before we started that's not unusual so that's no criticism by the way that's not unusual in this form of racing. So we'll wait to find out who is the potential third driver for the red line black car. What I do wonder, Nick, is given that the red line white car, the other red line car, is, did you say that was greyed out and out of the running now? Uh, it was, a, yeah, it is. It's greyed out and hasn't run for some time. So, yeah, that, that one, which had Patrick Christopher Moser when it was pulled in, um, it's currently 12 laps off the lead, which obviously is quite a long way, in four, in, in, as we've only done uh, 36, and it seems to have given up. Now, from my understanding, the team members have to be pre-registered um, uh, okay. with, with iRace, but it's possible you know, there, there are different rules in different points. And the other thing to remember is, of course, you could actually have six people registered in your car, but they haven't all got to drive. And they haven't um, popped up yet. Yeah, so yeah. It, what would be interesting to see, you know, we have had full driver lineups announced by some of the team but uh you know see what, what red line black do they may well have you know as we often see in uh endurance races a, a driver is registered two or three cars in in, in one group and then Nick, choose to drive one of them let's uh, let's compare and contrast bruno Spengler, real world racer probably could drive the nordsch life of blindfold not that i'm suggesting yes. that that would be a good idea <laughs> uh, now behind the wheel of the fifth place number seven ps competition BMW Z4 coming up to Flugplatz 
uh, ahead of him, Alessandro uh, Alejandro Sanchez, uh, and not much else to be honest. So he's got a pretty clear run at the moment. Now, I do notice there's a little bit more wiggling of the steering wheel going on from Bruno uh, as he's looking ahead, just as if he's trying to feel and get some idea of what the front wheels are doing. Whereas when we saw Max, there was none of that going on. And I wonder if that's the difference between somebody in the real world who wants to feel a little bit more. And he's, and he's it's almost, he probably doesn't realise he's doing it, but it is translating to the graphics on the screen. Yeah, I think it's a good, good point. You do get, as you as you trundle on what is quite a rough surface still, and there has been resurfaced in the Nürburgring, you do get little um, kicks and, and, and jolts from the steering wheel as it goes over particular bumps on the on the force feedback. And depending, obviously, on the design of force feedback and, and what manufacturer it is, you, you can use those to kind of, you know, actually give you an exact idea of where you are and sometimes even to help with breaking points. But I think, yeah, it looks like he is, he's trying to get that feel on the front end the whole time. And one of the, the things that does tend to happen within the iRacing and with all sim world, and it's slightly disconcerting, you do have to have a dead area around straight ahead. Wow. It just so there's a little dead area, so you can actually move it and it's not doing an awful lot. So maybe he's just trying to pick up the bite and the tyres yeah. as it goes on. Whereas, because he's a real world driver, whereas obviously Maxi, who is who's been doing this forever and is unbelievably brilliant at sim racing, probably has got he doesn't have that habit because he's used to that feel of his steering wheel. Could it also be how you set the sim rig up in yes, terms of 100 of, of what? Because I've heard a number of real world drivers saying that they had to turn the force feedback down when they were at Sebring because yes. <laughs> it was actually tiring them out too much. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, actually. Yeah, they, um, that there is a lot of, uh, you know, I personally also, I've, I've turned mine up higher than recommended because I, I just trying to learn how to read Ooh. what the steering wheel is saying. But having, I tried the, remember we did World's Fastest Gamer um, in, in Sebring uh, and I sat on a 30,000 pound rig at that and that had a full-on direct drive steering wheel which is incredibly strong and yeah that was so strong that when you went off the track it would have broken my thumbs if i hadn't actually you know, taken my hand away so you, you, you never, i would definitely you never turn it your, down on that never wrap your thumbs over so that our thumbs are always to the outside exactly but i was, third I was and treating it as a toy ah, <laughs> I, I never do that uh, third and fourth place in tcr going on to the donegal hall let's see the effect here as joseph Falgren tries to get the draft on the car ahead of him. A quick note as well by Checkers for Wreckers, by the way. Once drivers are registered to a team, they can't enter another car in the same session. Uh, so they can't enter two cars either. Okay. Okay, so thanks, Checkers or Wreckers. That, that, that obviously is a difference then from the uh, from the, the, the full scale. Well, but I can see why that would but be. But also different from DNLS because we have had drivers, I think, in two entered in two cars there whether they drive them or not well that was a proper drag by wasn't it I know just just literally drafting and, and relatively easier easy uh, past the the Panther now third place car I, and um, I think that kind of underlines what you were saying about Kirill Antonov earlier on because he wasn't able to do that so I wonder if there is some damage we saw a couple of the core teammates in the uh, Cayman Cup class in DNLS 2 uh, one of the cars was battling for the lead one minute and then had to give best to their teammates to drop down to third simply because they couldn't get the pace down the Dottinger Hall, the long straight. 
and that it, was all down to a little bit of damage. It's one of the things that um, iRacing likes to model into the, the damage. It's it's the, you, know, you just lose a bit of speed, so you can you can you make up your mind you want to continue with the race, and you kind of realise I thought it was a really good lap. Hang on, it's two seconds slower than I thought it should be. What I ah okay, it's modelling a subtle lack of power and a subtle lack of speed. Um, you know, the rather big ones where the steering wheels are not straight and pointed towards the sky, but a lot of it is just those minor things, you know, so you shouldn't have done that, or the other person shouldn't have done that to you, and, and, and you move on. Um, but it is very, it, it's something that needs to be assessed, and hopefully outside that uh, hum, uh, group of custard car, someone's sitting there going, right, this is costing us X, it'll take us this long to fix. And unfortunately, the, the problem with these, this uh, Nürburgring races. There's no quick, there's no fast fixes. It's all real-time fixes with a penalty. So it's, if it's losing you a second, or say, say it's losing you five seconds a lap, it's going to take five minutes to fix. That's 60 laps, John. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And that is, th those are the kind of calculations that somebody has to be doing. That's why you need a team manager uh, for this as well. I, I do like the livery on that Panticar. I mean, there are some great livery. It's interesting how there's a few people who've literally just put the uh, the plain white it's, you know, from the car as you as you buy it and stick up. But most people have, have, have sat down and thought about getting some, some at least some colours on it from colourways. And if you've got a, a sponsor, you know, Panther are getting you know as good coverage as any sponsor would get you know with their colour scheme in any full size race. Nick Damon and John Hindoff on the comms for the next 50-50 minutes or so and then the pros come to do the job. <laughs> Our colleagues at Race Spot for whom this weekend is hugely busy uh, in terms of their production as well as their calling of races and we wish them the best in all of their endeavours working extremely hard this weekend, Will and the rest of the team. Certainly can see the headlights now. Not quite sure why the uh, the, the 911 Porsche was flashing his lights whilst he was being overtaken. Be odd. Because you can't. No one could. Well, no one could see it, could they? <laughs> so <laughs> it's a yeah you know, a really futile gesture. But I'm sure he felt better about it. So that's the uh, the 911, which is currently the second place man in the uh, Porsche Cup class. Currently by Alexander Thieb. As we see the two and the three, the second and third place overall cars, the Z4 of Philip Eng and the Marla Racing Team Audi R8 of Sammy Matti Trogan. And the interesting Matti Trogan, Sammy Matti Trogan in the R8 is, has gained back what they've lost over the first of the two sets of uh, runs they're doing. And he's now right up behind Philip Eng in the Z4. Philip, who has been quite a star in the sim racing world since the, uh, the, the lockdown happened, and including even winning one of the virtual F1 races. I mean, it's called cool, race, it's more of a crash thought, more dodgeons cars, but uh, Eng has made a name for himself. It's a good pal. You know, it is. I mean, they are... They are just for second. Yep, second overall. Keep an eye on this. Just hearing some sad news coming through from the real world of motorsport, the Brazilian uh, motorsport designer uh, Ricardo de Villa has died. Oh. Uh, born in Sao Paulo, started his career with uh, Wilson and Emerson Fittipaldi, uh, did some Formula V as well. Uh, life racing engines, he was part of that, uh, I think as well. And uh, of course worked on a number of sports car projects, including the innovative Delta Wing. Uh, a really nice bloke, interviewed him a few times, been battling an illness recently, 
and he's lost that battle today. Our thoughts are with his family. Huge part in Nismore down through the years. Our thoughts with his family and his many friends in more, many motorsport paddocks around the world. Ricardo de Villa, who has died today, we think of him. This battle for second position continues. Ricardo would have loved this. He loved motorsport and loved competition. And this is the battle for second position and coming on for quarter distance. Still very aggressive. Same, same Matthew. Very, very aggressively. He's been, he's been. I think he's. What he's trying to do is he's trying to unnerve Eng. You think right? Eng is a real world driver. He doesn't quite know everything about sim racing, but is obviously skillful and he's definitely trying to do that that bullying thing which um interesting he's in an Audi and Audi always used Le Mans with the uh, the R18s and the R and the R10s and everything they were accusing it well before they had the limit on the amount of flashing they could do they were accused of bullying the other cars off the track weren't they and he's literally taken that Audi mantle and run with it certainly doing a grand job at the moment but he's unable to make that uh, position and the last 10 minutes, John, we've the lights now are very evident. And you can actually see them. They're beginning to make a difference as the, uh, the sun sets behind the, the circuit. And we look from the rear view, from the rear quarter, through the very large and impressive wing of the BMW Z4. Um, not really car course that's used in, in competition uh, anymore, but it was a stalwart of the early GT3s. Remember it being particularly strong in the early uh, Preventic Dubai 24 hours we covered. Claudia Hercke and uh, Jorg Muller, oh, yes. um, great exponents of running the car there. And did, um, one of the first times I was truly impressed by anything outside of F1 um, for efficiency was when they did the nighttime brake change. The first time I ever saw a live nighttime brake change. Oh, yeah. And they did it in all four brakes in about less than two minutes with dry brake. And I thought that's absolutely unbelievable. Having seen it now, obviously it's been refined even more. And I think Black Falkland can do it about a minute and a half. But the first time you see that in the pits, it's unbelievable. You think, well, you can't, it's 800 degrees, you can't do that. You can't. Oh, yeah, done. Okay. <laughs> You've changed all your brakes in three minutes. Well, well done. And it was an amazing performance. We had limited numbers of, you know, of engineers, but it was, it was a, a great looking car, a quick car. But you know, luckily, due to the, the way the band's performance has been tweaked, it's still competitive in the virtual world. And obviously, as I said earlier, I don't think you were on them, but powered in race car form, both the uh, GT3 uh, and the GTE version, or GT Le Mans version, which never uh, got to race at Le Mans because of what I'm about to say. It never had a V8 engine in the real world. But it no, did it, as the race car. It had the uh, P65. It had the M3 engine, didn't it? The V8 M3 engine. It was the E92 M3 engine, yeah. Yeah, but in, but for some reason, it, uh, marketing, it never got past the straight six, did it, in the actual real world? Um, I, I, I think as a road car, there were some installation issues with it. There would have been some installation issues with it in the same way as there had been some installation issues with um, one of the V8 engines that they tried to convince the ACO uh, was going to fit in a, an M3 many years before. I remember right. standing yeah. with Gerhard Berger at, uh, I was going to say Portimao, and I know it wasn't Portimao. Joe Bradley was there with me, and we're looking at it, and it looked great. It had the carbon roof and all of that, and looked at the engine, and Bradley said, and that's a road car. Gerhard said, yep, that's the road car. He said it's not a road car. He says, Why? How could you tell it's not a road car? It's got no, uh, it's got no engine fan. 
<laughs> there wasn't room for engine man. So it wasn't a road car, it was a complete mop up. That was supposed to be the homologation car. But anyway, BMW made a great race car out of it. It sounded fantastic, both in GT4, the, the Z4, in GT3 uh, rather, and GTE forms. Um, it, it did run in the European Le Mans series as a GTE. Did it? I don't know. I, oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll well, go back though, maybe 14, 15. That late? Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, yeah, okay. I, I, it's very possible. I mean, you, you, there have been so many cars that passed under my nose in the last uh, 13, 15 years. Yeah, you're probably European right. European Le Mans, so it never ran at Le Mans. There was a no. gentleman's agreement that it would never run at Le Mans because it, it didn't have the engine of the road car. But it raced, I, I think, maybe only as a privateer car in a European Le Mans, as a GTE. As a GT3, it was the, it was a stalwart of this place, although they always seem to fall out in the early morning, funny enough. Talking about some of the quality drivers, there was that year at the Nurburgring where it started raining in the middle of the night, and Z4s had been bossing it, and one of them nearly went outside the track on on this part of the track actually, when they came into contact with someone else on the Donegahua. This is the battle for second place, and there's nothing between these two at the moment. BMW. V8 versus Audi V10 Ooh. and the Audi pushing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> He backed out of that one. Eng wasn't giving that one up, was he? And uh, discretion, definitely part of Fella there for uh, St. Matthew. You would, would see, you would actually see the car, him thinking about it and then going, nope. Nah. No, we're not six hours in here. Well, that's no. the last lap job. That's not happening now. But he was he was right on the edge. Matt has just tweeted in to say, I'm, I'm just turned on the stream for an hour before I get ready for the night shift. What's the time in the virtual N24? Time elapsed is... Uh, let's call it 5 hours and 20 minutes and the time of day in Germany is 5 minutes after 9 Central European time so it's starting to get dark now uh, Matt uh, and hello to Steph Neff tuned in as well hashtag DN24RSL this is soothing and amazing I've missed racing see I keep telling you forget about the platform forget about whether it's 1 to 1 scale or RC the competition is all that it's about this is real racing and quite a lot of people telling us that moving around at the moment and listening on RS1, then they have completely suspended their disbelief and it is like listening to a real race, which is exactly how race. it should be. Because it's a, it real is a real race. race. Exactly. It's different. I mean, you know, it is a real race. I mean, it's exactly uh, that. Nick. If you That's get involved in if you actually drive these things, they are real races, and it's you know. And I was listening to a point you made earlier. You know, you have this ability. You know, you can turn around, go to a track, do 400 laps, and it costs you your time and nothing else, which is amazing when you're trying to learn what you're doing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it, we've seen some very high quality. And what we are seeing, and this is what the, I think it's yeah, this is the the, the differentiation I'd make. We are overwhelmed with sim races at the moment, and they are appealing to all tastes. But I do feel that the events put on on the iRacing platform appeal more to us who are endurance fans. I just think it's more realistic because there's more risk and reward. If you prefer more action-packed, bash and crash and touring car racing, 20-minute racing, which is fine, not a problem at all, then the, the, the R Factor 2 platforms or the, uh, obviously the F1 races perhaps more, more float your boat. But the same for everyone, but if you're actually looking for pure racing, this is, this is as pure as it gets in a, in a virtual world. Nick Damon, I'm John Hindoff. It's good to have your company. Ah, you see there, smoking puppy. Thank you. Just tweeted in. Mark VDS Racing finished second in the 2015 
LMGTE class with a Z4 GTE in the wow. European Le Mans series. I knew I had. I knew it wasn't a works car. It was that brilliant purple and yellow colour scheme of Mark VDS. Oh, and I remember that now. Yeah, you see. You see if I'd you said see, I that. Only, but I only saw. I only saw LMS once a year. That's the only time I saw uh, it was at, Sport Racing Silverstone. Yeah. So I, only, I didn't. You, you, it was Johnny and and yourself and uh, Raymond Bruce who did this whole season. I just Ooh. saw it once a year. <laughs> now this is starting to get a bit tasty for second place up the road by a minute. Let's call it is. The Team Redline Ferrari, but it's Philip Eng and Sammy Matty Trogi, both real-world drivers. Sammy Matty, probably better known at the moment for his sim experience, but he is a seasoned campaigner in his native Scandinavia and, sh and should have been driving by now a GT3 car around this very track in reality. Headlights starting to play a part now. Through Adenar Forst from the... Helicam looks fantastic now, building up speed to get to the top of the hill at Callanhard. Through the little left, two lefts, then the uphill braking area into another left. It's all about breaking these bits of the track down so that you can remember them and it becomes muscle memory. Down into Callanhard now, dropping down, and no camera, virtual or simulated, do any kind of justice to the rises and falls and the camber changes on this track. You have to drive it for yourself to understand it. And in some ways, that's another thing, Nick, that I think is even more difficult in the virtual world. Seeing the crown of the road and the camber changes is actually easier in real life and you feel it a lot more in real life. Uh, you sometimes only feel it in the virtual world when it bites you. It's like coming out the, the chase at, um, at Bathurst. Uh, as you come through the left-hander at the end of the chase before you turn right, you have to cross the crown of the road, which means you have to hold on to the gear or you have to short shift, because if you don't, you do it right on the centre of the crown of the road and it spits the car off. And that's really hard to find out on the, on the sim until you've done it 27 times, of course. Exactly, yeah. But, and, and, of course, the other thing is, because however good your sim is, however um, brilliant your three screens are, they are still 2D. They are, yeah, it's Fair it's point. close, it's two-dimensional, you are losing that the extra dimension. Some of the, the, there are some VR elements which do a tiny bit of simulation too, but they have their own issues with actually often causing people to feel quite sick actually when they do that. Uh, but most how long I, st I stayed on one for about an hour. I did a stint on VR in a cup car, Porsche cup feel? car around Bathurst, and I couldn't walk when I got off. Yes. Couldn't uh, walk a straight line. Someone said that the only way to do it is to build up, like do 20 minutes, then yeah. go away and come back. Well, you know, I, I think I said this earlier on. Brabs always used to say that to me about motion simulators, but in particular when they were using, I think they were using the Worth simulator when he was yeah. um, driving for Acura, and uh, he had to build up to it because there was just it just wasn't quite it wasn't quite working for him, uh, and there's always that little bit of lag. And the thing is that. For, a, for somebody like me who isn't very good at anything, I, I don't notice it as much as, as a, a racing driver whose inner ear is absolutely attuned to the movement of cars. Yeah, and the, and the, and the pressure changes you will get yeah, as, you, as you go up go up and down, down and, and turn left and right. Yeah, I mean, it is a, a completely different uh, experience. Are, yeah, but the point you made, again, I just listened towards it, it is, of course, the most transferable skill of an eSport, of course. Yes, it is. So you can no bring these people and they have 
80 percent they're the great a great racing driver will have 80 percent or perhaps even more of what he needs to be a great sim racer but of course that last 10 percent is the really difficult stuff well in anything the last five ten percent um that's when you need the 10,000 hours isn't it to yeah get good at anything the second third battle just separated out but Fluheng I think has just got a little bit more um, velocity over but he may, may lose he's, actually has lost as I said it curse the company he lost everything he gained getting stuck behind the uh, the TCR car there but the 63 I think it said just trying to read the numbers very quickly uh, yeah it was it was the Craig set up shop friends with Joseph Falgren when the 63 just wasn't it wasn't deliberate hold up it was just one of those things and now Eng will try and put some space between himself do you, know, the Audi? Uh, uh, do you know what I'm going to miss at the end of our shift in round about 35 minutes? I'm going to miss not getting into the car. I'm going to miss getting <laughs> into the car, rather, and driving down the back roads and getting back to the hotel and having schnitzel. Because you've got to have schnitzel. Schnitzel around the Eiffel is outstanding. And beer, John. Well, no, not beer for me. Wine for me. Oh, of course, yes, you've got this cup. Well, for I, me, I'll have I'll, I'll have the, I'll have a virtual beer with my virtual schnitzel. You have a virtual wine with yours. Though you're having wine with cheese, so you're doing fine. I got a cup of tea that got cold ages ago. Tregothnan, I hope. Very <laughs> Nürburgring, but with uh, absolutely uh, Peter Kitt. Here's the Audi having another go for second place. Gets the drag up towards the Bill Stein Bridge, but has to go the long way around. That's perfect driving by Philip Eng. And Sammy Matty Trogan just can't get there and get enough pressure on. So now he's got a plan and scheme all over again. Down towards the first corner is the next opportunity. So let's see which side of the track he goes. Does he throw the dummy down the inside now? Oh, the door's been left open by Eng there. The Audi may be getting close enough. Not, maybe not yeah, quite. No, yeah, it would be a long way. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't crest the hill as well as you'd expect. Not at all. Agreed. So he then didn't get the the ability to get up the inside though you rightly said Eng wasn't worried because he, he left the door wide open for a lunge obviously assuming he just was too far back to even go for it so now sprint out onto the Grand Prix circuit and again this is all dropping downhill Nick and, and mm -hmm. you know very steep very steeply downhill this part of the circuit um, so that's good stuff down towards the Hairpin at the bottom of the hilly brick, ridiculously late for that because there is a little bit of banking in that. So, as we come towards the end of our time in around about 15 minutes' time, we'll keep an eye on this as they head out onto the Nürburgring Nordschleife. What's your thoughts then of the first quarter of this race, Nick Damon? Um, I think it's been it's been a, a cracking uh, in, in multi-class battle. I mean, I think yeah, we have got an, a, a runaway leader at the moment with uh, Team Redline Black and, and Max Benecke. But yeah, we, we have a tight battle for second and third. The, there's no real gap um, you know, moving on from there. There's a few they've all spaced out, but no one's out of touch, and no one, more importantly, has the luxury of making any form of mistake without which would require any sort of pit stop without losing many many positions. And that applies to the first three or four, all four classes that we've got this team battle going on it's very very interesting watching the uh, the changing time of day and the changing weather uh, as it's been simulated on the Nürburgring and of course you know, I'm, you know this, is, this is my this is my first Nürburgring 24 hour John you've done many of them this is my first one so I'm enjoying watching the whole experience 
Uh, you might be talking yourself into a trip there if we ever get any uh, real life racing off this year. Then now that's talking about being obviously in September, the week after Le Mans. Uh, we did the back-to-back -back races last year as well and had a bit of a road trip between them. And there is something very special about the Nürburgring Nordschleife. Obviously, my heart's at Le Mans. Uh, that's where we got our start and where the business of Radio Shore Limited was started as well. And indeed, even where I got married at Le Mans on the Friday before the 24-hour race on the day off. But there is something about the Nürburgring Nordschleife that is very, very special, particularly the high speeds and the high commitment required, and that's what we're seeing now. There was almost a touch there, Nick. That was too close to call for me as they head down into the foxhole again. And I feel a bit of frustration now from Sammy Matty. I, I just wonder, there goes the flashing lights. There's uh, one of the Porsches. Oh, he's just lifted off and stayed out the way. Very smart. I, don't blame him. Stop. That's, that's Get out. Get the picnic blanket out. You don't want to be anywhere near these two. They're bad. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think Sammy now is really trying to, to push the, the, the moment. But I think he feels he is quicker through the entire part of the track rather than the bit that he needs to be faster on, which is the main straight. Yeah. So it looks like the Z4 is a particularly slippery machine and it's got that bit of speed. Sammy now holding back slightly, uh, trying to avoid, I think, coming out the back of him. But it's a, a really, a really interesting two-car battle with the different chassis giving different advantages. And Eng holding the lead. Because the other thing to remember is it's always easier to follow, especially in a, a track like this, which is downhill, updale, and left and right. You, you just get that extra confidence seeing what the previous car has done, even if you know the track like the back of your hand. Does sound to me as though the Audi is ground. Is that the Audi grounding out, or is that just the overrun? Let's have a closer listen to that. Yes, yeah, I think it's touching slightly. Yeah, very it, slightly. It's not. You've got to. You've got to be so careful of the Nurburgring. Um, it isn't a normal racetrack. It's more like a normal racetrack than it ever has been since it's been resurfaced and some of the undulations have been taken out. Past the high running 75, that's the SimRC TCR, they were running high up in class early on. They're the leaders, John. They're the leaders. There you go. Well, they kept well out the way. So climbing now from the bottom of the hill at Bergwerk, and this is just all about keeping your momentum up. And the Audi's quick here as well. And looks to the outside down. A gear into that left, tricky left-handed. Really got to stay off the curves here, Nick. You can't use the curves. It unsettles the car so much because you're going so quickly at this spot. Super late braking here, basically at the apex of the previous corner. And then as you're climbing the hill to the carousel, I always remember Marshall's post and the end of the the uh, advertising hoarding there Chris Porritt who was then the Aston Martin driving dynamics expert and also a very keen and experienced racing driver went off to Tesla and still in the States working on all kinds of projects and I remember everything he told me on those first two laps of the Nürburgring because you just can't afford to forget it. 
you build your experience through. Do you know what? This looks even more lifelike now than it did in the sunshine. This is extraordinary stuff on board with Sammy Matty Trogan. If you're watching down into Brunchen now, double apex left. Then just wait, wait, be patient on the throttle. Use the block paving, keep it in third. And then hammer up the hill, try and take as much as you can in terms of pace through this tricky left-hander over the top of the brow, stay at the left-hand side of the road, wait for the jump, then after the jump, down from fourth, uh, fifth to third, or fourth, because these guys are better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're building up the Flans Garden. This is great. You know you're getting towards the end of the lap, and you know that there's nothing ahead of you. You're just building, building, building the speed. Fifth gear right on the limiter, then into sixth. Again, you can use the outside of the road, never down the inside of the bridge. Surely he had a little look, did Sammy there? Now to the swallow's tail. Late apex for that. So many late apexes, so many places where you can't see your clipping point. You can pop out of the Kleiner carousel a little bit earlier than you think. More flashing. Here's the most important corner for the Audi driver now. He's coming on to the triple apex right-hander. The Gallows Hill onto the main straight, the Dottigahoa. The BMW punches off those corners better, Nick, doesn't it? It really it's does. Got, but it's got a 30 kilogram advantage, isn't it? This is the point. That's where that weight is, is going to be. But Sammy's got a great run here and he's going to make it, I think. He's actually just got a better drive out, but there is a. a as soon as he pulls out, as soon yeah. as he pulls out and Luck. hits that air, it's like pulling the handbrake on. Oh, there's some intimidation as they go down the, the back straight, but it's they are neck and neck, and it's going to be Eng because Eng's got the inner line for the well, how, before. How how brave Oops. is Sammy Matty into the next right-hander? He was very brave indeed. Woof, yeah, fella, that was close. Side drafting. It's a common misconception that side drafting, pulling alongside somebody, actually speeds you up. It doesn't, but it can slow them down. So, particularly in open wheel racing, I remember Paul Tracy, when he first started driving for Penske, was the past master of it. And he would, in the lock wheels, he would, on the open wheel cars, he would drop his front wheel in between the front and the back wheels of the car he was trying to pass and then gradually move by and drop his back wheel in to keep slowing the down. It's an extraordinary thing to see. You've got to have so much trust on the guy that you're racing. This is brilliant stuff, Nick. I mean, the, the concentration levels here, real world or sim racing, the concentration levels, just outstanding. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is, this is without doubt, yeah, grade one premier class racing or whatever it could be. There, there, there are tiny margins. And as we explained before, they were running together within, well, a virtual, uh, probably in scale virtuosity, about six inches. And it seems to me that, yeah, you've got to remember, because of the, the, the way they, they're actually seeing the picture through the delay of the internet, they are actually guessing some of this, and they are trusting each other. And same Matty effectively got to the point where he nearly got there, and at the end, he just tried to pressurise Phil, Philip Eng, and Philip said no. And then Sammy had to back out. But he's now, again, looking for this chance to try and drag past. But the disadvantage he has with the Audi is the Audi has two disadvantages. It's very, very good in the corners, but it's carrying 20 kilograms more than the... Uh, the base weight of the Z4, so the Z4 has more punch, and if you can even look at the car, the Z4 has a very, very much smaller frontal area, being an, kind of an older car based on being based on an older machine than the R8. The R8's got much more 
of the CDA, not a CD, a CDA, which includes the frontal area. So those are the two things, but it's so quick in the corners at Audi. Leader will be coming in at the end of this lap. The team red line, black car, and that's the end of a double stint again for Max. These two will go one further, so this will become the battle for the lead for at, le for at least one lap anyway. And that might yeah, just add a bit more spice. Might do. They're a minute and eight behind, so it's going to be close. But I think they'll have a few seconds ahead of uh, whoever takes over the red line black car. Well, um, so far it's been uh, Jonas Valmeyer who's done the other driving. We are told there's a third driver for that. We haven't seen a name for it quite yet. We're coming up to just over 20 minutes of our stint Oof. to go. And here Ooh. comes Sammy Matty. Goes to the right, goes to the left. He's got a good run. A great dummy down the inside. Now goes to the outside. But this is the long way around on the top of the hill before Hamburg. Surely he can't get this done. He can. Ooh. Oh, side by side into the top of the foxhole. And Sammy Matty would not be denied. Now the flash of the lights from Philip Eng. He, he said he it's can't a, do a, that. Is can't that do that in real life. Is that a damn you or a well done? I, I, I think a bit of both, perhaps. I think there's, some, there's got to be some grudging respect there. It was the dummy down the left-hand side of the track as they went up to Schweidenkreutz and then round the outside. And the Audi, well, the Audi must have some downforce, Nick, because he stuck in it on that crazily quick left-hander. And then, of course, he had the inside for Armberg, which is the top of the foxhole, and that's where he made it stick. Now, the question will be, can he get it done and pull away? So that is the virtual lead. Pulled out, went to the inside, went to the outside. How close was that? Answer, you could not have got the Eiffel phone book between those two <laughs> at that point. thing is, though, he's going to have to pull a little bit of a gap because... Uh... Eng has got a much better car, and hasn't pulled it up already, because Eng has got a much better car on the main straight. He'll leap out, and he hasn't got the frontal area issues. But already, St. Matthew has pulled a, a, a big enough <laughs> gap not to be worried about the main straight. If, you're a motorsport, if you've got friends who are motorsport fans, and they're not watching, it's Saturday night, there's nothing on the television, there's no new movies on the movie channels. If they are motorsport fans and they aren't watching this, they haven't got a motorsport, that, a heart that beats for motorsport. Because this is outstanding stuff. Get on Twitter, get on text, get on the phone and do yourself and them a favour and get them watching this. Because we've got another 18 and a half hours of this and it's only going to get even more bonkers because the onboards in the full dark are quite extraordinary. Coming up in, what, 20 minutes or so, we'll have Dylan Coyle and Connery Maddock with Lorenzo Bonda and Chan Hai Wan taking you through the nighttime hours. They're the experts from Race Spot who will be making sure you don't miss any of the action. Sound and vision on the video. We'll be back for the last six hours of the race with Nick, I and uh, Nick, me and uh, Bruce as well. And you'll be able to get us on RS1 as well for the end of the race if you have to move around on Sunday and we understand that uh, even in lockdown sometimes you have to be outside the house and you might not have the bandwidth on your phone but we've got the audio for the end of the race for you as well still the number two lit on the top right hand corner
of Philippe Eng's car. That's where he was when he crossed the line, but now he's in position three, which will become position two again when he crosses the line. So that won't change because we're waiting for Max to come into the pit lane from the lead. That's another seven lap stint for the car that has led pretty much from the start. Has the fastest lap time as well with an 8.03.0.30. And that is it. Sorry, it's not back his pole lap to 7.59, so he's within four seconds of the fastest he can do his terrain caution to the wind. And that and that was on a clear track as well, of mm. course, a totally clear track, because everybody did single car qualifying. And that may well have been on a second lap where he got some, because everybody got two laps to qualify for this, so he might have had some uh, heat in tyres. Well, if we're short of action, default, TCR. TCR. And third <laughs> and fourth are nailed together, but they're also, are they, there's a, there's a cold trainer TCR. So the third and fourth TCR cars, which is uh, um, the 26th Evolu Evolution Racing. With That's Arjan Tavreda uh, behind the wheel of that. Then Robin Haase. seven. He looks like he's going to try and get around the outside. And he looks like he's going to do it, which is the Team RSO 597 with the Robin Haaser in the car. Yeah, and so he's, Robin has just done that. And there's a change of position. Third place in TCR. And chasing them down behind that is Dean Ledger in the Full Send Racing 85 car, just stealthily making its way through the field, Full Send. They are a top team and they've got some great drivers in there. Steen normally starts the three-hour races. Then Nicole Foggy back... Uh, behind the wheel of the XVR sim racing car. Nicole's been doing double stints in there, which is, what, what did you say, just shy of three hours? Yeah, I, I've now thought, actually, it's just over three hours because it goes with the second. So, yes, it's just over three hours, believe well, it or not. That, that's commitment and uh, concentration levels par excellence. Leader in the pits, John, as we expected. Good. I like when a plan comes together. Seven lap stints. So, end of lap 41. And it will be, ah, our new driver is Christopher Dambietz ah, for that car. Have, uh, so there we are. We have a new name for you. Probably out doing something else. Now he's got home. He's going to do two hours in the dark at the Nürburgring, as you do. A, do you know what? I, I do think it's a bit late. Ah, it's dark. Maybe it's dark enough so that you can do it. Obviously um, getting tyres because the car's in the jack, John. Yeah, well, you'd do that, wouldn't you? Because yeah, it's a driver. new driver, and it's his first uh, first races, uh, first laps in the race. There go one and two. Now first and second. Although of course it'll still say one because he crossed the line. The Ferrari crossed the line because of where their pits are. But that is the battle for the lead. One twenty-seven point eight. Was his? I think that's it. I think that's it. Just wait for the update again. No, it's 137.8. Was the full service? Ah, so I know where Dambietta's been. Tire, no, 132.4. Driver, tyres, and fuel. So one minute 32, because that, that everyone will be doing this next time round. So let's see how that compares. Yes, John, where's he been? What's he been doing? He's been doing the Esports Super Cup, which has been <laughs> running today as well. So the advantage is there's no travelling involved. So he was able to jump straight out of the Esports Super Cup, the Porsche Super Cup event, and come here. He's a team redline driver, so uh, absolutely spot on for that. And therefore, he jumps into this, presumably having had a bit of practice. And he would know, Nick, because he'll have talked about this. Again, those people who aren't sim racing regulars, 
they haven't just rocked up here for a bit of fun on a Saturday afternoon and evening. They'll have been practising all week and he'll have practised at the time that he knew he was going to get in the car. Don't forget, if, he's, if he, he could have practised for the last half hour as well, the last hour. That's a good point. Because you can set this, he could bring his own private session, he could just do a few laps to get his eye in, he could have whatever level of light he wants to have. So he can, well, I don't know, when he, when he, when he finishes his poor Super Cup duties, but if he has an hour and a half and knew he was getting in the car, he could have done three or four practice laps. And I'm pretty sure if he had the time, he will have done. So he's not coming to this completely cold, though this car has done, uh, what, 41 laps. It will be carrying you know, little bits and bobs of, of, of any car, even, you know, not a lot, because it has been running clean. And he has to get used to the specifics of this car, which we virtually the same as what he had before in the virtual world but now he has to kind of get his head down and capitalize on that you know very goodly that maxi handed him and try and extend it even more in this darkening period and we'll see won't we when the two that lead at the moment go through i love the fact that the driver has now changed uh, on the <laughs> yes. sim from a dark to a clear visor uh, so obviously because it's dark so we can see the driver's eyes now it's really good. Coming up to the fluke plats for the first time out of the pit and just feathering the throttle back there and maybe just a slight dab on the brakes to keep the car on the ground. The onboard shots showing the uh, lighting on the inside of the car as it would on a race car, lots of coloured buttons etc. You've got to be so careful when you design the interior of a GT or a prototype that's going to race in the dark. Really good lights on the Ferrari, so that's something I was right about. And you can see the six different lights if you look very, very carefully, Nick, on that. Yeah. That is way better than the TCR that I was watching early on. But you've got to be careful on the interior design because you don't want it to be too light because it's, all right, there's still a bit of light in the sky right now, but when it's dark, you don't want it to take your night vision away. And Porsche, in particular, worked very hard on the 919 hybrid and uh, the new, what's called the 19 RSR GTE, uh, has the same steering wheel as the prototype did, pretty much, uh, button for button and function for function. Um, and they were very careful to turn everything down in terms of light. And they used um, an old trick that some of us who used to go to disco text mate, hey, mate yeah, all about black light so purple uh. purple light which only shows up and then you paint or, or put stickers on that shows up the black light so you can turn down the illumination on the interior of the car so that it doesn't ruin your night vision and yet you can still see the buttons that you need to push and turn yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like a, a minor thing, but it's unsurprising Porsche put the thought into it because that's incredibly important not to be having the, the glare of your car internally. Correct. Taking away, but more importantly, being able to see the key things that are important for you to reach and touch. Now, I'm pretty impressed actually by this run by uh, uh, Christopher Dambiatz because he handled the car briefly through the first couple of sections where the tyres are cold and now he's got up to temperature he's really already on it and it's just going to show that when you go when you have an eye rating of 7,311 he was one gear lower through some of the tougher corners like Bergwerk there that's really a third gear corner but he's not taking any chances and why would you see the marker LEDs on the sides of the cars as well over the ear pillar and over the top of the doors that's going to help us. So let's remember that the team red line has a red line on it. It's a bit, it's a bit too obvious. And the other team red line car isn't taking part. So exactly. We'll never know 
they had a black line, which wouldn't have worked, obviously, in the dark. Team, um, uh, team Marler, uh, racing team, has pulled out nearly three seconds now on Philippe Eng. Uh, Dambietz has held on to third position. Spengler in fourth. So it's Audi, BMW, Ferrari, BMW, Ferrari, Ferrari, BMW, Mercedes. Uh, Mikel Sondergaard now behind the wheel of the MB Esport Racing in eighth position. Josh Thompson in ninth. And Jimmy Ball with one performance racing has just pitted the Z4 from 10th position overall. That's the best of the Mercs. The low rumble, so evocative. It barely sounds like it's ticking over. I remember back at the uh, end of the 1980s when Mercedes came back to Le Mans with the the Saubers, the Silver Arrows, with only one sponsor on the wing end plate, and that was AEG. And the reason that they were there is because they were bouncing the telemetry off the AEG satellite and then back to race control back in Germany. I kid you not, they repositioned the satellite to get their telemetry because it's the early days of live telemetry and you couldn't get it all the way around the track and there wasn't cell phones back in 1989. And I always just remember that sternum shaking rumble of the uh, V8s that Mercedes used then and they never sounded stressed and contrast that with something like say, the Mazda 787 the yes. multi-rotor which which sounded like they were about to blow up when they were ticking over just screaming no stop it but yeah they, they were amazing when they, they had that car go around a couple of laps uh, a few years ago didn't we uh, the uh, Demont now the Mercedes obviously this, this one Mercedes is not currently right at the, the sharp end of the field the actual Mercedes model is known for being incredibly easy compared to the others very easy to drive but perhaps lacking in outright pace so I think if we went down some of the lower splits, John, we see a lot more people choosing the uh, Mercedes because it's just an easier right. car for the more human rather than the alien drivers to keep on the track. So, you know, it, it's one of the great things about iRacing is they, 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 the cars are modelled and you can find cars which are, well, yes, half a second off the pace, but so much easier to drive over a long period. Do you know what the easiest GT3 car in real life is to drive? I don't know. Mercedes AMG. Oh, well, we it, is, <laughs> it is the most comfortable for gentlemen drivers if you don't mind us using that term non-pro drivers let's say for to get to get uh, comfortable and confident in and the new version of the car they've made it even more so apparently although I have to say say I was I've been very lucky I drove the old GT4 Aston Martin and I drove the GT3 once as well but only once I never raced it and the GT3 Vantage I thought was a supremely confidence inspiring car to the to the point where even on all tyres I got really quick, really fast in terms of uh, mm. the lap times. Alright, here's the battle for the lead coming into the pits as we expected it to do and so the Marla car will come in and give up the lead Sammy Matty Trogan is finishing a double so he should be getting out as, as is uh, Philip Eng and Bruno Spengler's coming as well from fourth and they've, so they've it'll all be, done it'll their be Dom Stipe that gets in the Marler car, so again they're rattling through their drivers who we've seen driving for Williams Esports in the past and that is effectively a Williams Esport crewed car, driving a driver crew in that car. Spengler's in, Melchers is in as well, so the top five are in. Dambiet has already gone through uh, on the flying lap that he's completed. And remember, there was the reason that that red line car is stopping a lap early was that we did 7, 6, 
7777, whereas everyone else pretty much in the top 10 have done 77777 through the, the lap counts. And I'm absolutely certain this was, that it was just to get them off off you know camber with everyone else so they could if it was a much closer race they could have a free run in and out of the pit lane well of course they've dominated so it's not been the issue dominic star which he said's got into the uh, marla racing team audi lauren heimrich has replaced flip eng in the bs89 kai kishub has replaced uh, um, Bruno Spengler in the bs7 and mike nurberg has got a great name nurberg has got in for Beeler racing team with their ferrari 488 so it is a complete as we say full service and driver change John. yeah uh, i've just seen where Jesse Cron has he just got into that? Yes, he has. Jesse Cron's just taken over from uh, Matti Piatella in uh, his car as well. That's seventh position for the 108, the VRS Coanda car. Not been without incident either, of course. We've lost the second team red line Ferrari. That car's been out for a while. But for the moment, we've got Ferrari's first and second because Alessandro. Alejandro uh, Sanchez got out ahead of the Audi in second. So it's the 75 from the 186 from the 89. So another very quick pit stop from did, the MSI. Did, did take tyres. He's got a 117 stop to the 133, 133 and 138 with three following cars. So he's he's not taken tyres. Now, did they? Did, is this Alejandro's second stint? Well, I'm just ch I'm, I'm just yeah. checking that now. Now, Alejandro, um, oh, well, hang on, I just need to refresh that. Uh, I think, I think this might be Alejandro's third stint in that car. On he, the same line, on the same he tires? Did, he did two, then he, then Mark Perez did two, then he did a seven, um, and then my software needs to restart itself, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, if Alejandro's back in, then it either... Yeah, because yeah, if, if he, he did two, his car did two, we're on 42, which is six runs so far. This is the start of the seventh run. So, yes, it makes sense he's now in his third one. Well, unless Ale, unless Alejandro only did a single and Mark's just done a single as well. And, and I have to say, I didn't notice that. But you would have thought if they'd put a new driver in, they would have put new tyres on it as well. For some reason, I have a gap, a very annoying gap in my Tetris. Ah. Right, we've got uh, about five minutes before we hand over uh, to Dylan, Connery, Lorenzo and Chan. So, not sure which of those are going to take directly over from us or whether they're all going to jump in together. Uh, it is Christopher Dambia who leads by 67 seconds. The Ferrari 488 GT3 from Team Redline Black leads from the uh, nice chrome blue MSI Esports Ferrari. Alejandro Sanchez behind the wheel of that, we think, uh, as I say, in about 67 seconds. He's half a second ahead of the best of the Audis. The Marla Racing Team, Dominic Stipes, just got into that car. They're on their outlap. At the moment, new tyres for Stibe. He'll want to get rid of that Ferrari to get the performance advantage from the Audi. Then another five and a half seconds further back. It's the first of the BS competition BMW twins. It's the 089 Lauren Heinrich car. Uh, and then 30 seconds further back, Kai Kashub has got into the seven car, taking that over from Bruno Spengler. 
That's the top five. Top six, Mike Nuremberg in the Beeler Racing Team. It's another 10 seconds further back, if you prefer, 44 seconds away from the leader. Then another minute further back, Jesse Cron in the 108. Z4 for VRS Coanda. Then it's Williams Esports Audi, another 13 seconds back. Now we're starting to get three minutes away from the leader. Bas Visser in the first of the Mercedes, the number nine for MB Esport Racing. He's got about another three minutes on the one performance racing. Jimmy Ball back behind the wheel of the Z4, and that's your top ten. And that is the top ten SP9 GT3s all running on the lead lap still after nearly six hours. Then it's the Porsches. R8 Esports leads by 11.5 seconds from Porsche 24 from Gingol Racing. Racing. Then Team Redline, Anachan Guven behind the wheel of that and gaining on the cars ahead. He's got that gap down to 10.5 seconds. Alpine Eagle is next up and then Trans Tasman, the next car back to make up the top six in the 911 class. I'm rattling through these quickly before we do the handover. Sam Liebert uh, leads for Core Sim Racing in the 17 class, 23rd overall, and with a two-minute gap and change to Team Heusingfeld uh, with uh, Max Riedmüller behind the wheel of the 301 car. Then Filippo Orlandi for DRS Wave Italy. is a 17 seconds further back, and he's got a, a real scrap on his hands with the ASD Elite Yellow, Sasha Engelhardt in the number 306. Team RSO is next, and then Sim RC, 29th overall, lead Audi RS3 TCR class by 44 seconds from Craig's setup shop, Joseph Felgren. Then Nicole Foggy, who seems to have driven just about every other lap of the race, it seems, <laughs> for XVR Sim Racing, is 15 seconds uh, further back, and just, uh, what, a second from Steen Ledger who's doing a really good stint for full send racing and pulling that car back into contention. The top six in TCR, Robin Haaser, the team RSO, is uh, right behind Steve. And then Alex Simonic behind the wheel of the Vendervald Sim Racing Blue. That's how they stand uh, as we have just on five minutes to go to the first quarter of the race completed. Nick Damon and John Hindhoff winding up the first RSL segment uh, of this race and getting ready to hand over just starting to lose the light in the sky here as well Nick I do really feel immersed in this because what I'm watching on the screen is very similar to what I'm seeing outside at Hangdorf Towers yeah exactly right it is just about uh, pitch dark uh, outside my window as well pitch dark in the uh, now going around the, uh, the Nürburgring and we you know, what a great way it's been six hours watching a fantastic endurance race settling down I think for a, a, high, a heavy night of action well settling down in terms of people knowing what they've got to do but the pace hasn't mm -hmm. let off at all and we might even see with air temperature and track temperature coming down a bit maybe the engines will work a bit better you'll certainly get double stint out of the engines uh, out of the tires rather uh, and we might actually see some quicker laps here there are drivers who tell me in the real world they prefer in the dark because there are fewer distractions at the side of the track Absolutely, and we, and, we, and we still have in a well, probably about seven or eight hours to come happy hour as it gets light, which is always known as the as the time to really put some times down. As it's the airs, it's heavy. As you get a little bit of extra vision as the, the sun begins to come up, but you and you have a track and a car. And oh, hang on a second! Perfect harmony. Uh, we did have a moment for the 76 car a couple of minutes ago. They were running slowly or stopped, although has reviewed that was Diego Pinto, and that was the leader in class now he's held on to the lead 
but there was clearly a moment. I'm just looking that on the incident report. Also, by the way, the number 23 GT3, Mikel Sandegard, had slowed as well, although he got back to the pit lane. So coming into the six-hour mark, that's it for Nick and I, and we'll hand over to Dylan Coyle, Conry Maddock and Lorenzo Bonda with Chan Haywen. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.